0: Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I'm your host, Unfunny Abbott, Rod, and I'm joined by...
1: Howie was the hottest and I will die on this hill. Jess. (laughs) That's not even a nickname. It's the the only name that matters this episode. Oh, gosh.
0: Shout out to Howie.
1: (laughs) I haven't seen current pictures of him. So I definitely said was. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, so let's before we even talk about Howie, let's <laughs> let's explain what we do in the show. If you're new, uh, Justin and I talk about movies, music, and TV. This is a music episode. 1996 movie, uh, 1996 music, to be yeah. exact. Yeah. Um, we have looked at a list of every music album released in the year 1996, mm-hmm. and we've decided each one. We, we've decided which one each of us had listened to the most in our lives. Uh, whether it be most songs from that album or, you know, the, the album all the way through, start to finish the most. Uh, these are the music albums that most invaded our lives from 1996. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I'm safe in saying this is going to be the most European episode of Media Made oh, ever. Yeah. Ever. Like, we've, you know, we've taken a trip across the pond a few times.
1: I mean, 95 TV was. Quiet and European. No, <laughs> it's very
0: cozy and European. But this is the most European. Yeah. Uh, just given its audience. A one-two punch. Yeah. Like man, and you know, it's funny. I wasn't expecting to like basically get this quickly. Get to the point where like oh, we're in the late '90s. We're here. The late yeah, '90s. We are here. It's like the late '90s have have happened. <laughs> uh, you know, America was a little late to the late '90s, mm. <laughs> but um, the rest of the world. You know, they they launched into that ni- that late 90s sound immediately. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about it today.
1: Let's talk about that.
0: Okay, so we're going to start off with Jess's, <laughs> Jess's album of 1996. Uh, you know, not for any reason other than it's really hard to find uh, commercials for the break with my music sometimes. So
1: Now you just wanted to talk about them first. So
0: segment one. It's going to be just album, and you'll know why, because I could actually find a commercial for the album that <laughs> we can, we're going to stick in the break in the middle of the episode. But look forward to that. Let's do it. Released May 6th, 1996, the hit international debut album of this iconic pop boy band. It is Backstreet Boys by Backstreet Boys. XL 106.7. Hey, good afternoon. It's Hilde, your midday mistress, and we have a special treat for you today. Orlando's own Backstreet Boys are in the studio with us. Guys, would you introduce yourselves?
1: Yo, what up? This is the B-Rockster, Brian. Como estas? This is Howie D. Hi, this is Nick.
0: What up? Yo, this is AJ. What's up? What's up? This is Kev. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Kevin gets me every time. <laughs> What's up? This is good. <laughs> this is good. I'm <laughs> like sorry. He, he sounds like the daddest guy. And he was.
1: Brian gets me the most. this <laughs> No, stop. Stop. Hey, como estas? This is Howie D. Yeah, Howie. Right, you insisted
0: that I open up with that clip. From... Because it was super cringy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did it. They introduced. You got Brian, AJ, Howie, Kevin, and Nick. I knew them all. But you said them out of order. How are you supposed to say it? The same order they said it. No, no. And Howie first. Oh, so tell us why is this? Well, no. Before we ask why this is your album of 96, we need to explain something. This album is the 1996 international release Backstreet Boys. It is officially their debut album. But the, the, the silly part is the United States did not receive this album <laughs> In 1996 no or ever this album was never released like widely in the united states maybe it was imported maybe you can find it now on your streaming services you can't i uh, apparently not (laughs) it's not on google music nope okay the backstreet boys have you ever asked yourself why the backstreet boys first date like first hit single in the united states was backstreet's back all right i had not and you know you never ask yourself well where are they back from They were never here. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It's because the U.S. got their second album first, sort of. What happened was, you know, this album dropped in 96, Mm -hmm. the Backstreet Boys. It was a hit everywhere but the U.S. And then in 97, the Backstreet Boys released their second album, which was called Backstreet's Back, Mm -hmm. internationally again. To everybody but the U.S. (gasps) And the U.S. got a special compilation release that included all of the singles from their first album and their second album combined.
1: That's so weird.
0: And it was called Backstreet Boys.
1: That's so weird. So there
0: are two albums called Backstreet Boys, one from 96 and one from 97. Basically, you can think of it as Backstreet Boys International and Backstreet Boys U.S.
1: So weird.
0: So when we were looking at the list of music albums from 96... We landed upon Backstreet Boys 96, the mm-hmm. international release. And I named you all of the singles and you were like, yes, yes, yes. right? <laughs> just like that. Just like a coming. Like, yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: But you determined it's like, yeah, I've heard the most songs from this Backstreet Boys album. Uh, and then when we sat down to listen to it, it starts out with, you know, Everybody and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not on the album list that I looked at. <laughs> and we just we we learned that there's this weird release schedule with the Backstreet Boys. The whole world got them first, mm-hmm. and uh, we said, what are we gonna count this? And I I think I made the case that because the U.S. got a compilation album, none of those songs were from the original album, right? You know, it was from, it was a compilation. It was the greatest hits, and we haven't really done greatest hits. For media made, we we typically just do, you know, OG releases. Right. So it made sense to count Backstreet Boys '96. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we're doing.
1: Yeah. So that's what we're doing. It. Though <laughs> honestly, can I just say, knowing that these are American boys, their back streets are in America. Florida men. Why did we not not that Florida man? <laughs> <laughs> isn't, why did, isn't why every did Floridian he... a Florida man? regardless of gender <laughs> um yeah like why did why why did how how come how come but why how come but why they said mm, boy bands they're kind of big i guess but we're not gonna give that to the u.s it, it
0: must have been a cynical marketing move i don't know maybe so they weird. were just like hey let's give them a test run in the you know in europe before uh <laughs> we we we, uh, we you know we uh, unleash them upon the united states you know yeah, we, we got to give them a test run. Make sure they're you know they're up to par. And then when it comes time for the U.S., we'll drop all the greatest hits on them. And uh, that is it, very cynical. it worked. <laughs> it's like it worked right. That 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 count ca- that compilation Backstreet Boys album from '97 has all of the hits on it. Yeah, it has everything. Everything that... you would want from a Backstreet Boys album. <laughs> you know, even them coming back. So tell us tell us your history of the back with the Backstreet Boys.
1: You know. As I've said multiple times on this podcast, I didn't have friends, <laughs> but all the cool kids were listening to Backstreet Boys or In Sync, and sure I were. preferred Backstreet Boys. They were my choice group. I, I mean, looking at some of the lyrics for the songs that we're going to discuss, adult Jess does not does not <laughs> concur with a lot of these themes. But little baby seven year old Jess, she got down to some everybody get down. Get down
0: and move <laughs> it all around. Oh, no. Um, so I I also grew up in the late 90s. Um, I equally saw the popularity of the boy brands. I was listening to a lot of Radio Disney at the time. Yeah. We've talked about this. Uh, when I Like my first real, other than like sing-along cassette tapes, uh, my first real like music taste, interest was Radio Disney pop mm-hmm. hits. So I was listening to all the pop hits from, you know, probably 98 to 2003, you know. Yeah. And uh maybe a little maybe even like 2002, you know. There's a point <laughs> where I got bullied out of listening to this type of music mm-hmm. specifically. But I, you know, I so I knew all the Backstreet Boys hits and I knew all the NSYNC hits and I was more of a fan of NSYNC. Ew. Yeah. That's fine. Like my yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's fine. It just, no it, prejudice now back then.
0: Yeah, it's just some it just it, Wars. It, it was what it was, you know. Like I I'd rather listen to bye 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 than Uh, Well,
1: that's a different era. Obviously, that song's better.
0: Well, to me, like that's that's when I got into it. Okay, fair. So, like, it was like the radio Disney era. I was into is like you know Millennium by Backstreet Boys versus No Strings Attached by Insane. Okay, fair. So, all of those hits were like what I remember from that period.
1: I'll give it to you. Yeah,
0: and then I got bullied out of listening to boy band pop music, and I wrote off music forever. You can listen to them school. now. I can, you, you, and I do. <laughs> I, I I hear if I hear In Sync or Backstreet Boys in the supermarket, I'm like singing along. You hello. know, I'm like, you know, this is good. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it, you know, it's reached you know, 20 years later. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is this is, it's dumb, but it's you know very catchy and, and good.
1: Does that mean you can listen to some of my current boy band likes? Uh,
0: maybe in 20 years, if they stand the test of time. You know, I just started hearing Baby by Justin Bieber in the supermarket, mm. and I thought mm-hmm. to myself like. Is it the same? Like, I hate it. I hate Baby. It's horrible. Like, I hate that song. You
1: don't like children singing. I don't. That, so that's the that's the main problem. But in another 10 song. years,
0: I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, Baby's fine. But I don't want to be that. <laughs> I don't want to.
1: It's, it's a little... I don't think you'll like it because the refrain is annoying. Not, it is very it's, annoying. It's not the young... Je- well, okay. Also, children's voices you don't like. It's not young Justin Bieber's voice. It's the baby, baby, baby over and over. Oh, Yes, yeah. it's horrible. Mm. Uh,
0: but yeah, this. But you th- know, I think you would like pretty
1: much, which is a current boy band that I really like. That's English, that you'd be able to understand the words.
0: I uh, I will say, you know, with age, I've come to realize that Backstreet Boys is the better boy band of the era.
1: They are. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, so let's talk about how this project came together because yeah, right. uh, the Backstreet Boys is, is really a project. Mhm. It was. It's less a band until later.
1: So. Now we're gonna, you're gonna have an understanding of the making of the band.
0: It it, it very much was a very corporate, uh, yeah. business process. Um, uh, I will say, after doing all the research, because I'm going to tell you where all these men came from, right? All, all the boys,
1: their mothers,
0: the Backstreet Boys. I'm gonna tell you where the Backstreet mm-hmm. was and who are the boys. All right. And uh, I, I will say, I have a newfound respect for every member of the Backstreet Boys. Nice. Like they are all, they are all very talented people. Mm.
1: I'm sorry, there's one that I don't
0: like. No, I'm just saying, like, how, you know, what they, you know, what they were doing before Backstreet Boys. Okay. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, they were very multi talented people.
1: Nice. Okay. Change my mind. Lay it on me, stud.
0: All right. American businessman Lou Pearlman.
1: Why does that name sound familiar?
0: Uh, coming off of a failed aviation venture in the early 90s, reportedly became fascinated with the success of pop boy band New Kids on the Block. Ah. So uh, Lou Pearlman, uh, he's, he's like. <laughs> He's like the villain of the story. Oh, okay, he has a very shady he history. Sounds,
1: he has a villainous name. He
0: has these. Uh, he's the subject of several true crime documentaries. Yeah, like.
1: <laughs> Sorry, my eyes got really wide, kids.
0: I don't want to like you know go too in depth into Luke Perlman's like issues, but let's just say like he was like the pop boy band mogul of the late '90s, early 2000s, and then you know like all the details came out, and you're like, oh wow, he's the villain. He's the heel.
1: Yeah, when you say, like, that pop mogul, it makes me think of current pop moguls.
0: I'm sure it's very much the same.
1: Oh, no. uh, Oh, no.
0: So, Pearlman formed Transcontinental Records with the intent of replicating the boy band business model. He saw New Kids on the Block, and he's like, oh, well, they're, they're like, not only popular in music, they're, you know, doing, you know, guest spots on TV shows. Like all that. You know, commercials, merchandising. He just saw the money signs and he's like, I'm going to make my own boy band. Right. So as part of a $3 million talent search, Perlman Mm. placed an ad in the Orlando Sentinel to compose a vocal group in 1992. Uh, He spent the next several months auditioning hundreds of young performers for the group. Okay. Uh, The first singer to audition for Perlman was Orlando, Florida native A.J. McLean. AJ! Uh, Though the ad sought male performers between the age of 16 and 19, McLean auditioned anyway at the age of 14.
1: Oh, he was a baby. He was a baby.
0: Uh, McLean had been pursuing an entertainment career since an early age, having trained extensively in dance, performed in over 20 school plays, starred in a 45-minute one-man show for a local Latin festival, and acted in Nickelodeon series Hi Honey I'm Home, Welcome Freshman, and Guts.
1: That is quite the CV for a 14-year-old. He also
0: appeared in the 1986 film Truth or Dare. Whoa! Yeah. He's not the only prolific performer of the group either. Like, Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I was like, oh, wow. I'm very impressed with these young people. I hate
1: young people who have such great talents. It makes me feel like I've wasted my life here at 30.
0: (laughs) I want to. I will hear no more. Uh, McLean was hired and officially became the first member of the Backstreet Boys. Uh, he was followed by Howie, DeRoe, mm. Nick Carter, Kevin Richardson, and Brian Luttrell. Uh, by April 20th, 1993, the group's lineup was complete. Uh, so let me run down every member, you know, of every remaining member and tell you all the wonderful things they did before they turned 15. Save
1: Howie for last.
0: <laughs> no. Howie's next.
1: <laughs> no! Uh,
0: fellow Floridian Howie DeRoe, who had previously met A.J. McLean through a mutual vocal coach, had also performed since an early age. He sang during Mass in his church choir, performed in various community theater productions, uh, danced in an all-boy ballet troupe, cool, and starred in films like 1989's Parenthood and 1993's Cop and a Half under the stage name Tony Donetti. After DeRoe's Backstreet Boys audition, Perlman's people lost his headshot and his contact info. However, after six months, they were able to track him down thanks to A.J. McLean.
1: Huh. Thanks, A.J.
0: He fought for his boy. Yes. Uh, Nick Carter of Ruskin, Florida, another Florida man, uh, had been equally involved in the arts since an early age. As an actor and dancer, he performed in local school productions and at Tampa Bay Buccaneers home games. And he appeared in the 1990 film Edward Scissorhands.
1: Oh, I think I knew. I may have known that. But okay, dang. And between 1989
0: and 1993, he led his own vocal group called Nick and the Angels. Mm,
1: Do we have clips of that? Can we find it? Internet, inter- internet, find it.
0: Internet, no no clips. It. Internet. I'm, I'm sure it's there because every Wikipedia article for each of the members is very extensive. Oh, it's clear the Backstreet Boys fans are, you know, well curating the Wikipedia articles. So it's probably out there. Good job, Nick streets. and the Angels.
1: I just gave the fandom a name. It's called Streets. <laughs> they probably have a name. But don't call them Streets. Ha ha
0: ha. Uh, In 1992, at 12 years old, Carter auditioned for Disney's The Mickey Mouse Club and The Backstreet Boys. Same year. Uh, His auditions were successful, and he was given the choice of either joining The Mickey Mouse Club for a $50,000 contract or this new musical group.
1: Did he get to choose?
0: He did, and he chose the group.
1: I mean, obviously. But, I mean, (laughs) you think he actually got to choose and it wasn't his parents? They
0: they might have had something to do with Mm. it. So, who knows? I'm sure they had had some input. He yeah. was How old was he? 12.
1: What? Oh, should I have acted? <laughs> is it too late for me? No.
0: No, it is, Let's call an agent. <laughs> 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 Kevin Richardson of Lexington, Kentucky, had a musical performance background, having sung at his church choir since he was a child, and performed in community and high school theater and in talent shows. In high school, he performed keyboard in restaurants and at weddings in a band called Paradise. Uh, after high school, with encouragement from his father in 1990, Richardson quit his job, packed up, and drove to Orlando, Florida with his best friend, Jimmy, where he got a job as a cast member and performer at Walt Disney World.
1: Hey, wait, he, after high school? Yeah. He,
0: Kevin is the oldest member of the Backstreet
1: Boys. By a half?
0: Yeah. W- Nick was 12, and he was a grown man.
1: Nick was 12. I think you just said AJ was 14. Uh-huh. You didn't give an age to Howie. This man was 18 or more. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure. What? So at Disney World, he played various characters, including Aladdin, (laughs) one of the Ninja Turtles, Prince Eric, Tigger, Sebastian the Crab, and he worked backstage uh, as a tour guide for MGM Studios.
1: Is the Ninja Turtles Disney?
0: No, but apparently they were there, I guess. At night, he did dinner theater, playing an Italian gangster in a musical review uh, performing various songs from the musical Chicago, Guys and Dolls, and Cabaret. Okay, Kevin. Yeah. In what about Jimmy? It, who knows where Jimmy's at? <laughs> Hopefully, Ke- Kevin, uh, you know, kept up with his boy. Jimmy. I'm look- I'm doing the math here. So he, after high school, it was 1990. So he was at least 18 in 1990. By '92, he would have been like 20 years old. What? So yeah, there's like a, at least an eight-year difference between Nick, the youngest, and Kevin, the oldest. Um, in early 1993, Richardson was working at a convention as an atmosphere dancer where he met a woman named Lisa Fischetti, whose husband had been Lou Pearlman's right-hand man for 12 years. What kind of dance place? An atmosphere dancer. What? I, I don't know. I don't know what an atmosphere dancer is.
1: <laughs> I want to Google it, but I feel like a problem will happen if yeah. I
0: do. <laughs> don't Google that, kids.
1: Kids, don't Google that. Or if you do...
0: Don't at us. So anyway, yeah, he meets Lou Pearlman's right-hand man's wife at this convention. Uh, He then subsequently auditioned for and joined the Backstreet Boys.
1: Oh, nice.
0: After joining, the group was still looking for one more member, so Richardson called his cousin, Brian Luttrell, who flew to Orlando and got the job the very next day.
1: Oh, so nepotism. Yes. Does he have uh, a rap sheet like the rest of these Sure boys? All right.
0: Brian Luttrell, also sang in a youth choir at his local Baptist church, starred in high school plays, and performed at weddings and social events. Luttrell got the Backstreet Boys gig while he was still in high school. Uh, he would end up finishing high school via correspondence, graduating in 1994. So I'm Thanks. sure him him, and Nick and AJ were all going to school uh, while, and Howie. you know. And how Yeah, I guess and Howie.
1: Everyone all- except Kevin <laughs> needed to get a GED. <laughs>
0: He finished high school.
1: He finished yeah, good. Yeah, I'm good. You know what, Kevin? You're a grown man. You did that thing.
0: <laughs> With the lineup finalized, the group began performing at various local venues during summer 1993, like shopping malls, restaurants, and high profile, and a high profile charity gala in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. I, I, I did not look. I don't know if there are videos of such performances, uh, but their very first performance took place May 8th, 1993 at SeaWorld Orlando. That's that's their first.
1: That's inspiring. I'm imagining what the lineup looked like with Kevin as a very tall grown man amongst all these prepubescent boys. It must have been
0: like the freaking Jacksons, right? You, uh, know, you yeah. got Jackie who's like, you know, 20 and then little Michael who's like, you know, 8.
1: Yep. That that tracks. Yeah. There has to be pictures. There has to be pictures.
0: And what about their name? The Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. Pearlman named the group after Orlando's Backstreet Market, an outdoor flea market, which was also a teen hangout. That's it. Orlando Backstreet.
1: You want to go there when we visit Florida? We're never visiting Florida, kids. (laughs) Hey, kids, if you're in Florida,
0: (laughs) we will not be visiting you. We'll we'll, We'll look it up on Google Maps. In late 93 and early 94, the Backstreet Boys toured schools across the United States, building a fan base while trying to get a record deal. Uh, Mercury Records nearly signed them in 1993, but the deal fell through at the last minute because longtime Mercury recording artist John Cougar Mellencamp threatened to leave the label if they got into the boy band business. That's okay. Thanks, John Mellencamp.
1: That's that's annoying. Just give just just give young girls their boy bands and young boys. I was like,
0: John Mellencamp, like, what are you doing in 1993? You big old melon? (laughs) Uh, in February 1994, Jeff Fenster and David Renzer of Zomba Jive Records saw the group performing at a local high school in Cleveland and signed them to their first record deal. Cool. Uh, for the next year, Backstreet Boys recorded songs for their first album in Orlando, New York, and Stockholm, Sweden. Oh. Working with songwriter producers like Max Martin, Dennis Pop, Kristen London, and Tony Katura. Names who would go on to produce hits for acts like NSYNC, Britney Spears and Celine Dion.
1: All right. Oh, Celine Dion.
0: Yeah. Didn't like, see that
1: one coming in those list of names.
0: I don't know if Celine Dion was in the Lou Pearlman machine, but Britney Spears and InSync yeah. absolutely were. Yeah. They so were. this is this is his like house group of songwriters. Okay. And they would go on to be that. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got yeah. It. But this was like you know them coming together to write the Backstreet Boys' first album. Backstreet Boys' self-titled debut was finished in spring 1996. The album was first released in Germany, then in various countries around Europe, South America, and Asia. Though Canada eventually got the album in October 96, it was never released in the United States. So strange. Yeah. Even Canada got it.
1: Canada. Is that where Canada is? You pointed in that direction?
0: Yes. Oh. That is Backstreet Boys, their first album. You Want to jump into the music here?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Kids, don't let nostalgia... Win you over. Listen to these. Th- I mean, I'm still going to win this episode, but nostalgia, j- just remember when I'm tearing these things apart, it's tearing up my heart.
0: <laughs> oh, dear.
1: Is it sync?
0: You're tearing me apart,
1: Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So we're going to start out our musical journey with the Backstreet Boys with their first hit, first real hit in, in Europe and the United States. This was their first single in the US as well. And that song is We've Got It Going On. Everybody grew to the music, everybody
1: jammed. There's a lot of really awkward dancing happening right now at this <laughs>
0: table. So uh, that is, we've got you know, the, the, the beginning to, we've got it going on, and oh man, like, I feel like musically we, we haven't quite got out of the, uh, the Latin influence, the Latin craze of the mid-90s mm-hmm. in the early 90s, you know? So it's like, this song is like sitting squarely in like the Latin pop uh, uh, craze of the early 90s and what would become the... Pop boy band sound of the late 90s, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Where's the Latin sound? What would you coin it? Just, as Latin? I don't know. It's just
0: like the, the farty trumpet sounds, like the digital trumpets. It, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> You've offended someone. It's it, it, digital brass has a very specific sound. Can <laughs> your and voice just crack? <laughs> it sounds really farty. Are okay? you trying to defend yourself? <laughs> that I'm serious. I don't. <laughs> Like, I love synth sounds. I mm. love them. Like, I, I, synthesizers and, like, that kind of thing is great. Yeah. But something about synthesized brass sounds really, like, goofy to me. It sounds okay. cartoon. Mm. So this song, like, <laughs> <laughs> It's so like Donald Duck walking. <laughs> <laughs> All I can, like, point to now is, like, WWE theme songs. They use it a lot now. Like, mm. Samoa Joe's theme song has farty trumpet.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: But yeah, there's there's a bit of that in the beat of this song. But like, it's a groove. Yeah, we, I was having you know we were we both were
1: dancing awkwardly as 90 kids do. 90 kids, 90s.
0: Yeah. So uh, lyrically, what, what do you have to say about this song?
1: It's got it going on. They
0: they got it going on. <laughs> is is that like a a boy band like staple to um like your first single to basically announce who you are as a band, right? <sighs>
1: know i like i feel like probably it's like one of those those like tropes i guess that you just can't get away with it's like with rappers every album they have to have at least one song talking about how they're the best
0: and defending (laughs) their cred yeah
1: yeah you know and it's just kind of like just in case you forgot we're this very specific group don't don't forget us it's us
0: i feel like a lot of bands especially a lot of pop groups like they have their first single is like Hey, here we're this band. Here's what we're about. We're about having fun, uh, and you know I hope you'll be on this journey with us, right? Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: I mean, I it was single artists were the thing too, because I feel like when we talked about Aaliyah, it was like Aaliyah's here to have fun, and I don't, I don't know why I brought up Aaliyah. I'm sorry. I instantly regretted that. <laughs>
0: um, so let's let's hear a little bit of verse one because uh, this song is mostly sang it, like the other boys come in to harmonize, but the two leads are. A J and Brian mm-hmm. and uh, A.J and Brian, from what I can tell, at least on the songs we're going to talk about, they were the main char- the main characters of the band. <laughs> for the ones we
1: were talking about, and yeah. I think early on, probably like like, yeah, but as time wore on, some other people took forefront because of their faces.
0: I, I could yeah, but it seemed like at least on this album, the two the guys who sang lead the most were AJ and yeah. Brian Yeah. Uh so the verse the first verse is sung by Brian. Here's what it sounds like.
1: We've been waiting so long, just can't hold you back no more. Creeping up and down now. It's time for me to let it go.
0: Here comes Agent. So, like, I kind of like AJ singing a little bit more than Brian there. Like, Brian's doing a fine job, but AJ, like, has, like, a fierceness to it. Like, almost got, like, a hip hop sound. I don't know. He was almost rapid a little bit.
1: Yeah, which I think is a really interesting, like, um, well, I mean, like, choice to go, like, with a good way, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, like, I guess, but I think, like, now when I think about uh, today's boy bands, uh, specifically. The, the Korean ones. Korean ones, because <laughs> those are most of the ones I listen to. Um, you always got to have a rapper. And this isn't like full on rap, but...
0: There's a song later on that has a full on rap, and we'll talk about it. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. For sure. Just straight up, just rap.
1: Yeah, but it's like, all right, intermingling these things.
0: Yeah, and uh, like... And, and, and where where do the lyrics go here?
1: Nowhere. <laughs> But I think, like, it's, it. there are still some good lines to it, right? Like, I well, not good lines. I think the, like, talking about it's self-aggrandizing in a way. But I think they deserve the one line, we got it going on for years, right? Like, so it's, jam on because Backstreet's got it. Come on now, everybody. We've got it going on for years. And they literally have been doing this for years.
0: So, <laughs> so. I I wanted to highlight. like I the only lyric I have highlighted on my sheet here is we've got it going on for years Mm -hmm. Um, because to me I don't know what it means Oh, because grammatically if it's saying we've got it going on for years that if you're it's how you think it should be said like how you just described it it should be we've had it going on for years. That's fair. We've got it going on for years. Only makes sense to me if it means that, hey, we got a lot in the tank and we're going to go on for years. Mm-hmm. We've got it going on for years, meaning like there are a lot of years ready, to, you know, in, in store for us. Yeah. Where we're going to have it going on.
1: <laughs> I totally get that.
0: That's the only thing that makes sense. So it's almost like a proclamation. It's like, hey, we're the Baxter Boys. We're here and we're going to be doing this for a long, long time. And they they're true do. to their words. <laughs>
1: True to your words. <laughs> That's each. a different one. That's a different band. That's a different band. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, but I also think like uh slang. I don't want to say ebonics. That's not the word, but I think like slang, right? Like sometimes you say "got it." Oh yeah, instead. Sure. So it's still meaning like I don't know. Um, but either way, your definition or my definition, and you know they're right. They they they've been doing it for years, and they're gonna keep doing it for years.
0: And then uh, verse two comes in, and uh, I said that AJ is straight up just channeling Michael Jackson. Uh, let's let's hear a little bit of that. It sounds like, it sounds like Michael. Yeah, like yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like, doing like the vo- vocal strain in the same yeah, kind of way. Yeah,
0: in the like vocal hiccup thing that Michael does, right? Yeah. So I was like, hey, if you're going to crip from somebody, crib from the best. That's right? very true. So yeah, you know, you hear people say like, oh yeah, Justin Timberlake just stole everything from Michael Jackson. So did the Backstreet Boys.
1: Steal? they were influenced by. Yeah, but th- There's nothing you could steal from the king of, it's clearly his.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't dislike the singing. It's fine. Yeah. And the, and the groove is fun. Yeah. I'm having a good time listening to it. But like, the lyrics are just dumb. Yeah,
1: no, that's dumb. It's like one of those things, though, that I like, like to put in the background because you're just like, yeah, got it going. Their vocals are on point. Yeah. The, this, the song itself is stupid. Like, even that part that uh, AJ sings, I think it's, I literally wrote creepy and then another thing. <laughs> uh, well, I'm creeping up on your left, straight up funky when I get with you. And I'm like, please don't creep up on it. Please announce your- announce yourself, AJ. Announce yourself. And then the following, like, keep it ruthless when I get wet. I said, shut up, you're 12.
0: <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? It means shut up, you're
1: 12. <laughs> it means I don't care if you're actually 14 now. Shut up, you're 12.
0: Why is this young boy wet? <laughs> like, what does that mean?
1: I don't know. I don't want to know. Is he sweaty? Ew. Why is it ruthless, Ruthless aggression.
0: I, I hate the uh, the last two lines of the ver- uh, of this verse.
1: It, what you want is what you gonna get. Backstreet's got the special effects. Uh,
0: he's got the special effects.
1: I was uh. like, what does that mean? I don't know.
0: What does wet mean? <laughs> I'm just telling. Maybe the, lip- the special effects are like a hose to make you wet. I was just like, hey, what sounds with wet? <laughs> <Special> <laughs> what sounds <effects. laughs> with what? What rhymes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, special- what is the wet sound? <laughs> special effects. I mean, maybe, maybe they, you know, that was maybe a discussion at the time in, like, 96. Like, movies had, you know, there's a more uh, increased focus on special effects in movies.
1: It's weird, and I don't like it. <laughs> You're 12, and I don't like it.
0: Or maybe it's like, you know, people confused uh, The Dust and The Lion King. It was supposed to say SFX, <laughs> special effects, and people confused it with sex, so maybe it's innuendo. Wow. But read it. Read it as if it wasn't special effects, but sex.
1: Uh, what you want is what you're going to get. Backstreet Boys with spa- with sex. Uh. Backstreet Boys with sex. Uh. All these children are of her age.
0: And Kevin is not. Well, at, at the next year, they're going to be asking people, are you sexual? Right? <laughs> right? No. <laughs> but that's what they say. I don't care. I'm just saying there was sex appeal from the start. This is very even true. Even though there's like a 14-year-old.
1: Yes. Are they 14 at this point? It was... Ra- I think, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, they're totally... Good Lord, they were so young.
0: Uh, so uh, a few things about we've got it going on. Uh, it was like I said, their first and leading single from the album. Um, it, it was released in Europe in 95 and it reached the top 10 in several countries like Austria, Belgium, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Scotland, Switzerland, and the UK. Nice. So yeah, it was it was it was a pretty dang it was a pretty big hit from the very start.
1: Pretty catchy.
0: I was reading some like interesting notes about it. So like this this song was written in Sweden. Like they they brought it to you know they were brought to Stockholm specifically to record this song. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up finishing it in just two days. So the producers then suge- suggested, hey, why don't we just record a new another song right after? And that's how they got the song. Quit playing games with my heart. So uh, quit playing games with my heart, which spoiler alert, we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> um, almost didn't get recorded but it was because we've got it going on with such a smooth process. So quick. Yeah.
1: They were so into it. Um,
0: so, uh, well, you know
1: why it was so smooth? Because we've been waiting so long. They just, we can't can't hold back no more. That's a lyric. That's, that's a good lyric in here.
0: I I mean, that's, it's true.
1: Yeah. It's the truth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So another interesting thing about this song in particular is, um, I think it sheds light on where music was in Europe at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, a, a genre of music that was more popular in Europe way before it was popular in the US was like dance music mm-hmm. your your electronic dance, EDM, house music right all, all, all of those different subgenres of EDM were mega popular in Europe in other parts of the country not so in the US right mm-hmm. When was the first time you heard electronic dance music like for real? Do you I, remember?
1: I don't even think I really know what EDM is Like techno
0: trance. Electronica.
1: I don't know that I've ever, I've ever partaken of like, that particular fruit.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Cause like,
1: I'm not, not like in a bad, like not in a, like, oh, I'm staying away from it. I don't like it. I just don't think I've or ever like,
0: maybe I'm sure. It's
1: MGM house. I don't know what that is. What? Mm-mm.
0: MGMT. Yes. Uh, that's, yeah, that's like more like, electro- that's electronic pop. Yeah.
1: Okay. Then I have no idea. No, I was like,
0: I would say most Americans, their first real taste of EDM. That kind of music was um, Daft Punk. Daft Punk is definitely electronic dance music and, you know, of the similar vein. But anyway, so like the only reason I was like, you know, uh, uh, exposed to EDM early was because I had cousins on the Internet mm -hmm. and my cousin would, you you know, pirate a lot of music. Uh, and then burn CDs for my older sister, and then we'd l- end up listening together. So he was actually burning a lot of trance and techno CDs in the early 2000s when the US was like that kind of music had, was far from mainstream mm-hmm. at the time. So, like, I remember being in sixth grade, I was in a classroom, and like a teacher or an instructor asked, Hey, what's everyone's favorite type of music? And I raised my hand and said, I, I like techno and trance. And she was like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> trendsetter
1: at a young age yeah
0: i've never heard that before and so like like i said it is not mainstream and i wouldn't say it was mainstream until daft punk and like madonna and like lady gaga like kind of helped push it up mm-hmm. into the mainstream
1: yeah, yeah. I believe like and you. Th- now
0: you know now edm is very popular it's in you know it's in a lot of ED- you know, a lot of pop music especially in like you know the late 2000s 2010s mm-hmm. like yeah
1: I'm sure I've I've had L-M-F-A-O to have heard LMFAO
0: was definitely drawing in your your EDM and
1: I only know that one song by them. I just worked out
0: something. He's sexy and he knows it.
1: That's the one. The <laughs> the sexy and a it. That's the only. <laughs> that's your EDM in that. Okay, okay. So yeah, it's, I, it's, that's it's, what I'm saying. I probably yeah. have heard it. I just have never like had the label of like oh that's what this is. I'm like,
0: oh, okay. Anyway, so uh, because that again in the like as far back as the '80s club music dance music. House music was very popular in Europe uh, and, and other places around the world. Not so in the United States. Yeah. Okay? And so um, because Backstreet Boys' first album is very much a Europe-centric album, it was big in remix culture. Oh.
1: So, Are you going to play a remix right now? I'm going to
0: play several. Oh, dear. Because not, not cool. only were there various editions of Backstreet Boys released that were like country-specific, Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, the UK, they got their own special version of Backstreet Boys. So did France. So did Germany. So did Sweden. So did South America. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 Italy, right? It was just everybody got their own special version of, <laughs> of right. Backstreet Boys. And each edition had different remixes of the songs. And the, the song that was remixed the most was We've Got It Going On. Um, of all the different editions, I found at least 12 remixes. Oh, wow. I'm not going to play them all, but I'm going to, you know, I, I got a, you know, a good selection here. And I just want to play, I want to show just how different we've got it going on sounds when, you know, t- basically somebody, a DJ, remixes it into their own style. And uh, yeah, they mold it in some pretty weird ways. So we're going to start out with we've got it going on the TNK Harleston mix.
1: <laughs> what? Okay.
0: So here we go. Everybody grew
1: to the music. Everybody
0: So, this is like pretty tame, normal club music, you know? So, this sounds like 80s club music. And they're not doing a whole lot to even, like, manipulate the song too much. It's pretty standard. Just the the backing instrumentation is a little different. Right, right. right. But, you know, I would say this type of sound underneath is very traditional 80s club music. You know? Something you would hear. I don't know. It's just like something with, like, just the the synth uh, orchestral sound.
1: Sometimes when you say stuff like this, I want to ask questions like, What were you doing in a club in the 80s?
0: I hear club 80s music, especially like when you watch old 80s movies. I watch a lot of old movies and watch like old documentaries and things.
1: I'm partially convinced that you're actually an immortal and your whole family are and you've lied to me our whole relationship because you are too... Much of an old man in your soul. How do you... Yeah, it just reminds me of clubs in the 80s. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Another, You've lived far too long. Also,
0: uh, Grand Theft Auto helped a lot. You know, <laughs> so Grand Theft Auto Vice City... Said
1: no mother ever.
0: <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Vice City and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas are set in the 80s and 90s, uh, respectively. Right? Mm-hmm. So they have radio stations that are house club music... Um, mixes, right? And so the guys who make Grand Theft Auto, they're British, so they definitely have an eclectic taste that is informed by them growing up in Britain during those times. Mm -hmm. So they brought in their, you know, 80s club music, their 90s house music before, you know, America was even listening to that stuff, really. So when I play Grand Theft Auto, it's like, yeah, I, I first heard, like, legit house music in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Oh, wow. So that's how I know some of this stuff okay okay so that is that's one uh remix so the next one I, I have them in like descending order where they get more and more different and crazy
1: gooder or better
0: uh, d- <laughs> <It depends. laughs> like, I, I like I like some of this stuff so anyway uh we've the next one is we've got it going on amadin's euro mix so it has euro in the name so I apparently they were trying to appeal to the euro European trip? the European demographic.
1: definitely is more dance. This definitely feels way more European.
0: This is definitely a very European sound and this is the type of like, it's a little older, right? Um, The the techno and trance that I was listening to in the late 90s early 2000s is a little bit more modern sounding than this. This is like one generation before it sounds like. So it has, to me, it still has elements of the (laughs) 80s club music, dance Mm -hmm. music, and you can even hear it. Right? But it's starting to sound more like techno trance. Mm-hmm. Of the era, yeah and still, I think the the song still suits it pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, like the beginning of the intro is just like, you have a lot of, yeah, yeah,.
1: <laughs> Of, yeah, the, the the intro just made me think of vampires. Don't sam- know why it triggered a vampire response. They do a
0: lot of sampling. Like usually, like I find that like if DJs can't, uh, if if they don't have like if the song doesn't suit the music very well, right? They're like, hey, we're trying to make a freaking house mix out of this, but it doesn't fit. Just sample a yeah or a woo and mm. just loop it, <laughs> you know, and then it'll work. You know, and like you don't even have to play the music. <laughs> So that's that's the Euromix. The next one we've got is, we've got it going on CL's Anthem Vocal Odyssey. CL? I don't know who CL is, but- It's
1: a Korean singer. This She's is, a rapper. It's
0: probably not that one. <laughs> CL's Anthem Vocal Odyssey. What? <laughs> this is though, okay? Whoever CL is, they were like, "Hey, this Backstreet Boy song isn't doesn't work for the type of music I need to play here. This techno mix, right? Just get a line, get a word, and loop it, and then add the, unks, 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 you know,
1: it's what line are they using? It because I hear, gosh darn it, gosh darn it.
0: I don't know what he's saying."
1: sounds like gosh dang i hear i hear
0: some hey i hear some
1: baby i do hear those in the background yeah uh
0: uh, this by the way this this mix this mix is eight minutes long
1: no turn it off hold on
0: that's you know a lot of like progressive trance progressive techno that's what they did like they're just very long mixes because i would imagine it's because it makes the dj's job easier so Mm -hmm. i'm going to skip ahead a few minutes here just to see if it changes at all better it, It's still again. It's like he found a place for the lyrics and all that stuff. At least, right? I also really like whoever did the mix did their own custom keyboards to it. Like mm-hmm. they actually like played the, the synths along with the chorus. Like do 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 do. I kind of <laughs> like that. So I'm like, I this this type like. The intro is a little long with a, a li- little with the oinks. it's a little too long but like definitely like my college listening years you know this would have been on the background as i studied or wrote papers like this is my this is the type of music i was listening to in college
1: you could still do it next time you write an editorial just put
0: this on yeah cuz it's long it's chill there's not a whole lot going on and like yeah you know and it it <laughs> I like it. What do you mean there's not a whole lot going on? We got it going on. They've got it going on, but it's not a lot. <laughs> we've got a little going on. I <laughs> didn't say we've got a lot going on for years. Uh, so, yeah, I I dig it. This, this is techno. Like, this is good stuff. All right. And the last one I've got is also eight minutes long. Jeez. It's called We've Got It Going On CL's Real Butch Dub.
1: <laughs> um, maybe offensive.
0: I, I guess. I don't know. Let's see what it sounds like.
1: what is this why so long why dog whistle i
0: think i think it's meant to like build it's build on itself like it's just meant to build so i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna skip here's
1: some stuff happening i'm gonna skip but...
0: i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit and see if it changes
1: working no it's eight minutes long and the first three and a half minutes are a whistle
0: anyway yeah this is this is very techno Um, and it's like he found the one like portion of the chorus that works for the song and just (laughs) repeats it loops it over and over again like this works now dance yeah okay we're gonna skip ahead of another few minutes here I- I'm pretty sure this is the one I, I chose for last because it like com- like it gives up on the Baxter Boys <laughs> stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, w- we've had enough of the Backstreet Boys. Let's just write a cool techno song, <laughs> and th- this is the good techno song. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our interesting foray into techno music. I want to indulge myself because I don't think we'll get another chance to talk about techno trance, even though it was a genre of music that invaded my life, just mm-hmm. not the most.
1: Okay, so you used so use my segment. To propagate more of your stuff.
0: Yes, but also it's How related dare. because it's very important for the the album's release. Mm-hmm. You understand? Europe, this music was popular.
1: Mm-hmm. This is a
0: European album. Look
1: at all this justification and backdoor pilots you got going yeah.
0: on. So that's, we've got it going on. Did they have it going on? For years. <laughs> all right, next song we're going to talk about is called Quit Playing Games With My Heart. Good old Brian coming back once again to take the lead. Um, Tell us about Quit Playing Games With My Heart. Who's playing games with his heart? Baby. (laughs) Why is baby doing that? We're not sure. (laughs) Baby, why you do this? What does it mean to play games with one's heart? You
1: know, I asked questions like this on a different song we'll talk about later, but I didn't ask it for this one. Um, what, what, What constitutes games with my heart? How old are they? 16? They're 16 at this point? Anything. Anything is games with hearts.
0: Deep within my soul, I feel nothing's like it used to be. Right? So I'm like, okay, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And the relationship's changed. Yeah. He's he's sad because he's remembering the good times. And he's like, it's not like it used to be. It's
1: not like it used (laughs) to be. You're
0: so condescending to this lame song.
1: Sorry, I should save that for the next song that I was really mad at. So, um, you're right. Oh no, Sayad, was that less less,
0: less condescending? <laughs> Sometimes I wish I could turn back time mm-hmm. and impossible as it may seem, but I wish I could so bad baby.
1: <laughs> Quit playing games. Honestly, the question I had uh, with this is like, like with most of the things I was like, what do you want to turn back time to do to not give your heart to this girl? To this baby?
0: Well, I mean it's sort of like young love, like, oh yeah, you know, our relationship was so good when it started, because you know, which we had this new, fresh, exciting love, and now it's routine and lame and you uh I don't know. You're not the same you're not the same person you used to be. It's not as fun anymore. I don't know. So you're thinking that she's saying that? I I'm, I'm sure he's saying that because he's singing it. I think that's more for the next song. But No, they're the same. They are the same song. It's the same song. Yeah, that's honestly. what I wanted to I'll say I was going to say it, save it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. They're they're dealing with the same thing. It's like, hey, this guy is like, "Hey, the the love we had, it's changed, and I don't want to give it up. Please. But like, I'll do anything."
1: This one is better than the other one in terms of this character being a more tolerable person. So we'll get to the next one. But this one, this dude seems a little bit tolerable in that he's like, things have changed. Like, yeah, like things have changed, but I, like it sucks. Like like it almost feels like he can't put his finger on why it's changed. Sure. But like their love isn't there, right? So like that's why his heart is feeling like uh, he's being played with. Quit playing games with my heart before you tear us apart. Uh, I should have known from the start. I don't know what. Uh, you know, you got to stop from and then, my heart. And, then, ver- and then verse
0: two comes in and you, who sings verse two? Do you S- know?
1: Such a weird line of the first one. Is it Howie?
0: It's Nick. Good uh, old Nick. Uh, Nick. You like Nick? Nope. Your problem, Nick. <laughs>
1: uh, hot take: He's the worst singer in this
0: group. Wow! What makes you say that?
1: <laughs> he's not a bad singer, but if we had to rank them, he'd be number five. <laughs> uh,
0: what if I told you there's a very uh, specific, there's a very specific reason why he is the weakest singer?
1: Excuse me, you told me he wasn't the one with a speech impediment. Don't come out.
0: No, that was. Did I say it was Howie with a speech impediment? No, you said AJ. AJ had a speech impediment as a child. Um, but no, no. So uh, this was written in the re- you know the the recording notes or whatever, like the production notes. Mm-hmm. Initially, Nick Carter, age 15 at the time, wasn't able to sing on the recording of this song as he was undergoing puberty. Boo! His voice was cracking and changing at the time, and that's why he had difficulty singing.
1: Boo! That's a lame excuse, puberty. Justin Bieber didn't use that excuse. <laughs> I mean okay there's nothing wrong with Nick's voice in the later stuff it's probably better I don't remember it, anyone very specifically because I had a huge crush on Howie and I know Brian's voice because Brian does most of the singing but mm, in on this album and an on a song that we're not going to talk about he does this like. Lisping affectation when he sings.
0: Yeah, he does. That's do that. very annoying. He's he's doing like the performative type singing that you might hear from a like an inexperienced like singer.
1: Like he's trying to put emotion in it, but the
0: emotion yeah. is like a slurring of every word. I feel like you hear it in like you know uh, gr- like singers from American Idol sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that type of like. They're just, I don't know. Okay, when was the last time you watched American Idol? Sorry. Well, I'm saying, like, before, when you watch, like, the auditions, and it's, like, you know, the, either, like, you get the you bad mean, singers. You mean the
1: auditions, not, yeah. like, the winners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was going to No, 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 no. Like, like the, I was like, you going to say bad things about Claire, Clark, Kelly Clarkson. I'm coming across this table. I'm no, I'm no,
0: no, no, no. I'm no, coming no, straight talking like across the, this table. Like the legit singers, I'm you know, they they knew better. But I'm talking like the inexperienced ones, the ones who auditioned who were like they have talent, mm-hmm. but it's rough around the edges. Right. And like they might try to like affect their voice a little bit to try and like get more out of it than yes, they should, you know? Like I un- do. They're untrained. Yeah.
1: No, 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 I get that. That's it very much feels like that with a lot of Nick's performance on this album. I
0: agree. Um it's, it's like a few I, I highlighted a few lyrics from this verse too, you know, and I think this is the lyric where the, the speaker of the song is defending themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, I live my life the way to keep you coming back to me. Everything I do is for you. So what is it that you can't see?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I did it all for you. <coughs> <coughs> so this like is so interesting. Where It it feels like the song is like this character is obviously pleading to like have the relationship go back to the way it was going to be. But in a way that feels sincere in like... He's pleading his case to her, trying to... Sh- but it's like, I'm not the bad guy here.
0: You're the one yeah. who has... You changed. I didn't.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm living my life the way it was when we were comfortable with each other. Like, why can't you get back on on task with this? Like, and it's it's not so nefarious. It's very much like a child, a 12-year-old. It's year very
0: young-sounding, yeah. Yeah. It's very immature-sounding view of love. Uh, I, I, it's like, well, I do everything for you. I, I try, to, you know. I, I, I've, I, I live my life with you in mind, right? Yeah. It's like, I am so selfless. Like, yeah. Almost like, that almost sounds like it's like there's like either desperate or uh, like I don't know, like patronizing almost.
1: Yeah, especially considering like the choruses. I should have known from the start. Should have known what. Should have known that we will grow and change as people, and therefore our relationship should change. We shouldn't stay the same. Like, what should you have known from the start? Are you saying you should have known from the start that I was going to be playing with your heart, that I wasn't going to be the one who was going to be serious about this relationship? Excuse me.
0: What? I should have known from the start you were going to use me, and I'm going to be the victim. I did everything
1: for you. But if I could turn back time, I'd do it all again. Like what? The, and then, like, baby, baby, the love we had oh, was so strong.
0: I got it. Was that you were were quoting? Yeah.
1: yeah. Sorry. I had started like rocking out again because, yeah, you know, the, the lyrics
0: mm, are very simple and dumb.
1: <laughs> but yeah, they they the music.
0: Standard pop music fair.
1: Yes, but nostalgic pop music yeah. fair. I will say
0: like musically, this is the song that like sounds most like what you would hear from later Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. like from their next couple albums. Yeah. I feel like um, we've got it going on and it's a lot of the other songs on the album. Um, definitely sound either, you know, unrefined or very specifically catered to the European market. Yeah. Um, as we talked about. Yeah. But this song is like, yeah, this is a Backstreet Boys song and it would have fit perfectly on Millennium mm-hmm. or Black and Blue. Yeah. It's like. The, the, you
1: naming all them albums.
0: I know because I did all the research.
1: You're. This is true.
0: I don't know any of uh, after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yes, it's like, ba- oh, baby, baby, this is not right. Let's stop this tonight. Like, put my foot down. Let's. Like, we're no longer fighting. We're back to what we need to
1: be. Like, yeah. because our love was so strong. Stop what, dude? Don't leave me hanging forever. Hanging like- on what? I feel like she's been pretty. Like, it almost sounds like. Okay, not here. <laughs> but I feels like. What? Like. Like, what? You you guys need to have a DTR. You guys need to, like, really talk about what this relationship is. So don't leave me hanging, meaning don't, like, keep me on the line. Like, yes or no. Are we still Are we still the thing? Are we going to make this work? That would make sense. But, like, yeah.
0: Quit. I think it's hilarious that he goes, let's stop this tonight. As if he wasn't just spending the whole song c- accusing her of changing. Right. <laughs> and he doing everything correctly. <laughs> so you've been playing games with my heart. Let's just stop it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just no more. <laughs> oh my god! You don't get to make that call, dude. No, that's <laughs> what I gotta say. But I, I'm ready to move to the next song because I have a well, lot to say about that. Okay, well, but.
0: yeah, well, I, I can close this out. Well, let's first hear uh, the Backstreet Boys tell us what "Nana" means. Crippling. na 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 um uh, i have a few facts about this song by the way because like this at least in the US this was like the big hit from this collection of songs mm-hmm. uh, rolling stone ranked this song number 26 on their list of 75 greatest boy band songs of all time in 2020 oh yep uh so yeah and you know um i have a special surprise for this song as well as i mentioned every region got their own special version of backstreet boys Mm -hmm. this album and um not only did those different versions come with different remixes they also included bilingual versions of the songs
1: oh not all
0: not all the songs not every region got their own special bilingual version uh, but some did including italy so i have for you a song called
1: no, no more talking just put it just in my ears now in my ears now Instantly, like this version better. So, uh,
0: that is ex- excuse my Italian, but non pioi lasciarmi <laughs> cosi sung by Howie. And Kevin.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. So uh, let's let's skip ahead to the chorus here. I mean, you got to appreciate it. Yeah, like They went for it. Uh-huh. And I do. I, I can't. I, I'm i sure Howie and Kevin never spoke a word of Italian in their lives. I agree. And they went for it. And they, they sound all right to me. I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. They, they might sound laughably bad to an Italian, but.
1: That's fair. I have no idea.
0: But to me, it was like, yeah, they're fine with me. <laughs> there were songs in Spanish. And, you know, it was, it was like a whole thing. When a they whole say, thing. They, they were
1: international they, pop stars. They
0: were. And that was the intention. So, You've yeah.
1: never seen Josie and the Pussycats, have you? I haven't. Oh, man, we have to change
0: that. But I know Josie and the Pussycats also like was spoofing this era of yeah. pop music, correct? Yeah. Yep, so that is Quit Playing Games From My Heart uh, in all its glory. <laughs> Gory uh, glory. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about a song that I guess Jess hates. It's a lot of notes. A lot more notes than I have. <laughs> I have no notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> that song is Every Time I Close My Eyes.
1: Every time I close my eyes. Every time I close my eyes. Girl, I don't know where to start, but every word I say straight from the heart I've
0: been so raw. Definitely has the most um modern r&b sound of any of the songs that we listen to you mm-hmm. know like it has a very i don't know if boys the men is quite right you know and it's definitely not, like it's definitely a you know a development of the new jack swing sound that we mm-hmm. we talked about in previous episodes of media made
1: yeah yeah yeah. but
0: like this i don't know this song definitely has a more of an r&b uh like flavor mm-hmm. you know compared to like your your more pop dance stuff that we just heard you know or even yeah. the pop ballad yeah Uh, so i I dig the song. It sounds good to me. It has a groove.
1: You dig the, the musicality.
0: Yeah, of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. And then you know of course you get your chorus and it sounds like this. Yeah. So, uh, tell me about the lyrics to the song. Why are there so many notes on your page?
1: <laughs> because this is the most toxic song that we're going to talk about today. Oh. and I know we still have that last one to talk about. Wait,
0: but the truth, the truth is, for me, it's like it's the exact same sentiment as the previous. song. So
1: it is, but this is the guy talking to his friend.
0: Oh, okay.
1: He's not actually, but it's like like how he was talking in the last one was like trying to make himself appear. Like, he was the victim yes. to the girl. Yeah. Very manipulative, but also, eh.
0: Here he's talking about his girl to his friends.
1: Uh, It feels like the tone of which you would talk to, like, a manipulator would talk to somebody that they trust. Got it. Uh, that is possibly also not the greatest. So, like, when I first started, the third line of the song is, I've been so wrong, I never meant to hurt you. And my line, I just put... Let's speculate because I hadn't I hadn't gone back and re-listened to it and I hadn't for a bit and I hadn't gone back and reread the whole thing so I was like oh I wonder like what he might have done to hurt this girl and this is girl now it's no longer baby baby was the last one
0: <laughs> <laughs> girl I'd do anything
1: <laughs> um and I was like oh okay like cause thinking about like they're young what could it have been who knows whatever but then the next line oh girl I'm sorry what I put you through uh girl i'd do anything for one more chance because i want you back and i'm like okay what what kind of teenage ridiculousness did you put her through just like hanging out with your friends or like not like holding her hand in public like little chill whatever things and then chorus because every time i close my eyes i see your face and wonder when you close your eyes do you think of me and i was like if i do it's in disgust or anger because you just said you hurt me why are you asking if i if i think about you when i sleep i don't i don't want to if i am i'm not happy about it you just said you hurt me and then the next line now i realize i still want you and no other and i just said oh hop the hop off (laughs) just just straight off just just no what what do you so this now is like You've talked about you've, you've done me wrong and you never meant to hurt me and that you need one more chance, but you're saying, now I realize that you I want you and no other. I now know what you've done. I don't need to <laughs> speculate anymore. And you're asking me if I think about you when I close my eyes. Shut up.
0: He does say later on in the song, I took your love. I took we'll for We'll get gran-
1: there. <laughs> 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 we'll get there. The song made me angry. <laughs> That's why you- I was like, who's singing this? I just want to make sure it's not Howie because I'm mad. <laughs>
0: I think it was Brian and AJ again. But like, yeah, I I was going to say like the previous song, like I I thought it was like, yeah, it's it's the same thing. A guy begging the girl to get back together or, you know, to go back to the way things were. But you're saying it's like where the previous song he was playing the victim, like, girl, you changed. I I just don't understand. This one's like, I know what I did.
1: I know what I did. And you should take me back anyway. Mm. And then like beginning of the... (laughs) The beginning of the second verse, you and I shared enough together. I just highlighted and then circled enough and to put WTF. What do you mean? What do you mean? It was you enough sh-
0: for you to not to to not leave me hanging. It was enough for you to take me back.
1: Going back to other songs, why <laughs> why have you changed? Why are you playing games with my heart? And then we shared enough together for us to like be okay through this. <laughs> whore, you cheated on me. <laughs> Man whore. No, just the regular one. Atmospheric just. dancer. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to any atmospheric dancers out there. We don't know what you do. Um, anyway, and then it's just like, even in that same core verse, it's like, towards the end of it, but I'll keep on trying till the end. I but please don't. Baby, I need you back with me, but I don't need you. And I said more upset words. <laughs> like... What?
0: I took for granted the love you gave to me.
1: I'm so mad. And then when we go back to the chorus and it says again, because every time I close your eyes, my eyes, I see your face and wonder when you close your eyes, do you think about me? Now I realize that I want you girl and no other. My note here is this makes me more fierce after reading the second verse. <laughs> like the first time I was like, hop off. But after the rest of it, I was like, hop off into a ditch.
0: <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, speaking of atmospheric dancers, uh, let's because we haven't really heard Kevin take the lead, really. You know, we heard him sing in Italian, but let's let's hear him really take the lead here in verse three. A little rap. He—he's not only the most mature man. He's got a rap.
1: I have xed out that entire portion. Of but, but
0: he said he's gonna change. He's gonna change this time. He's changed for good. No. I, I'm not gonna hear to defend Kevin. I don't care. But like, <laughs> no, like, why, why did you cross it out? It's just like you just take him as.
1: Uh... Okay, here's the thing. Right before that, right before that bra- breakdown, the first three is. Uh, And girl, I'm going out of my mind. I miss you so much. I don't know what to do. Please say it's just a matter of time until I feel your touch, until you let me come back. And I'm like, at least he realizes that he doesn't get to decide when it's okay. Now he's
0: begging. He's just begging.
1: But then he's also just assuming that it's going to be okay. And then (laughs) let's just read Kevin's. Uh, Let's just read the rap. Just in case you couldn't understand it under all of that uh, R&B-ness. I think about you girl every time at night shut up I'm in love and it feels so right that's not what it feels like I I never meant to hurt you or cause you pain I just I was just caught up in the lying game but now those days are over I've changed my ways now I'm counting the minutes I'm counting the days until you let me come back until you let me start to find a new way back into your heart in the side I wrote this is a text that you get and a good friend tells you to delete it, and then block this cock. That's literally what I wrote. You just block this stupid person. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I never meant to hurt you. I was just caught up in the lying game. What?
0: Quit playing games with my heart. What? (laughs) Quit lying games to my heart. I'm gonna close your eyes forever (laughs) with a knife? (laughs)
1: Like, toxic song. All I got got is bad things to say about this song.
0: I was gonna say, like, it seems like, you know, this song and Quit Playing Games With My Heart, they were trying to make the boys sound vulnerable and sentimental. Did it work?
1: Um. Let's see. A man wrote this. Yes.
0: No, it didn't work. <laughs> it sounds fake. Fakery.
1: It sounds like I said before, they're talking to someone. Their manipulation hasn't worked. Who wrote? Did Eric write the last one, too?
0: it's it's the house group though
1: yes here's the thing like i said where the last one was manipulative and saying you're the problem this one is saying my my issue wasn't really that big is that vulnerable
0: <laughs> no
1: is that a poly- it's like, it's i like, i want like- you to come at me like this i want you to do something wrong i want you to break something of mine and then i want you to come to me with with these lyrics memorized <laughs> and see if we are getting a divorce. <laughs> I want you to see if we will need a house arrest to save our marriage.
0: It's a point taken. So it's 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 faux sentimental sentimentality. It's so bad. Uh.
1: But I think it was like right up the alley of the late 90s of what um, people thought was hot and romantic. It was, it was a, a sad time. It was
0: a dark time. It was
1: a dark time. It was the worst of times. It was the worst of times.
0: <laughs> Want to move on to the next
1: song? Okay.
0: All right. So this one was my pick. Yeah, it was. Uh, for for just you know a few reasons. One, I, I it was like the first half of the album is um, just hits. Mm-hmm. Like the first five songs were all of the singles. It's like you put the CD in and you're like, all the good stuff, it's out of the way. And then the last... <laughs> The last half is legitimately all filler. Yeah. Um, And it's like, yeah, some songs are pretty good. Some songs have some catchy choruses and stuff like that. And then some are just like... not this one. Yeah, not this one. Some (laughs) are just like, what is this? So I I was like, we need to at least have one representative of the filler side of the album. Because Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be doing our job of giving you a tour of the whole thing. So I picked out one song that like, I felt like the sound was very representative of their European demographic. Mm -hmm. Similar to what we've talked about already. Um, but also I was like, is this kind of their theme song? No. But it's called Boys Will Be Boys. It's, called, it's retitled No. To me, this song, like the sound of it, sounds like a mix between old school, new kids on the block. You got the the millennial whales in there. Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh. whoa! They're not millennials. Yeah, they are. Oh yeah, that's true. They, that that's what they call that now—is the millennial whale, yeah. like the
1: O's oh, in songs.
0: Yeah, just got, you know the whatever that is. Um, and then it all it sounds like a mix between old school, new kids on the block, and European dance pop. Mm-hmm. Like this is straight up European dance pop, like in my head. And like, I, I think that's the only reason I wanted to listen to it because I was like, musically, it's different from everything else on the album and interesting. And just this this song would not have played in the, the U.S. Yeah, they would have heard this and be like, yeah, this is either too old sounding or like just incompatible with the type of music that we want to hear right. in the U.S. at the time. Uh, uh, Every time I close my eyes it sounds like R&B of the 90s, this does not sound like anything that US audiences were listening to yeah. in the nineties.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
0: Uh so tell me lyrically, what's this song about?
1: Nothing. Oh, wait, no, hold on. It's about begging for sex.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we we have we have some experience in songs that were begging for sex. Yes. Michael Jackson did that a lot.
1: Yeah, this whole song, this whole song is just boys will be boys and the boys want sex. Uh, mo- everything, everything here just has a big old no or an ill attached to it on my <laughs> note sheets. It's just maybe I should um publish these notes on Twitter so that you can understand how upset I am. No, this one is less upsetting and also less toxic than the last one that we listened to.
0: But it's still a little creepy.
1: It's still a lot creepy because they're twelve. <laughs> um. You've
0: got some- uh, you've got
1: something
0: so incredible in my eyes my you around my whole world's upside down baby then, but i try to get
1: closer uh you've got something so incredible in my eyes my heart's pumping whenever you're around my whole world's upside down baby and then but i try to get closer and you push me away oh You tell me it's much too soon, but I can't help it. I've always got to make a play. And I've just. You don't gotta. You don't. You don't gotta. If I'm pushing you away, you really don't gotta. Matter of fact,
0: please don't. I I, I highlighted the exact same lyric for the same reason. I was just like, I try to get close to you, push me away, but I just can't help it. I got to make a play. And I was like. That's weird. Followed by whoa, 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 boys will be boys, yeah, baby. And I just
1: said no.
0: I I agree with that. I I think that's that's a not all men situation. (laughs) Hashtag not all boys. (laughs) Uh, Not all boys will be boys. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like we're not all creeps like that. And stop, 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 stop it. Stop making it seem like it is all about boys being boys when you know they're.
1: Uh, creeping and pressing and not and not listening to us push you away I am physically getting you away from me no means
0: no no means boys. no
1: and j- just no all of it no and then freaking next verse over all my defenses are never gonna hold I'm always gonna lose control no no yeah, and the, I hear you saying that you think we should wait, and I can't hold on anymore. My body's calling for you, so please don't hesitate. Yep,
0: I, I no, I, I highlighted all of those things because I was just like, and then it, to, to to wrap all of those very uh, predatory sentiments into the phrase "boys will be boys," like as if we're just excusing all of it. It's just like that's just what boy, boys are. <laughs> like we do not take no for an answer and we don't hesitate when we're feeling it up to it you know it's like hey we're just answering the call
1: Yeah, it's just, it's gross. It's gross. And it's gross because, like, I know at this point they're like 16, 17, which makes it feel still worse somehow than when they, if they were 12, actually 12. Don't reinforce this stuff, Leon. Grown men are writing this and, like, yeah, 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 sing this and uh, send this out to the world of other young boys and young girls. So young girls know that the Backstreet Boys want them. So they shouldn't, they shouldn't say no. Lord, like, this is how people with star power can get a lot of things from their impressionable fans. Oof. Yeah, you know, it's... You know, it, I yeah, said this a, was it, less toxic. It's it, a gross <laughs> song. It's, it's not It, it good. is a gross
0: song. I was like, I picked it before I knew what the lyrics were just because of the sound. And I was like, boys will be boys. You know, it's their theme song because they're the Backstreet Boys.
1: I literally text you when I said that. I was like, the song is just about begging for sex. And you picked it anyway. You're like, eh, ah, it's, it's the sound. Noteworthy. It's
0: noteworthy. Yeah, I hate that. It was like... All my senses going right into overdrive. My def- my defenses are never going to hold. I always got to lose control. It was like, yo, self-control is a virtue. Yes. <laughs> I was like, hey, self-control is something you should develop. Yes. I was like, in, in all aspects of life, not just in the you know, uh, scope scoping the ladies, but you know, just in yes. everything. Self-control is important.
1: Yes, please. <laughs> you know how the beginning, at the top of the show is like... I'm going to win anyway. I don't, I don't, I can't even remember. I don't even know the lyrics for yours, but I hope you win. I hope you win this year. <laughs> this is like another Aaliyah situation. The other songs are, ah, gosh, I don't know. Guys, kids, I hope you actually listened to this episode before you vote in our polls.
0: Yeah, don't, don't be swayed by the Backstreet Boys name. It's, you know, there, there's, it, it's not as good as you think it is. Mm-mm. All right. So that is Backstreet Boys, Backstreet Boys, the debut, the 1996 debut. Huzzah. Uh, what was your take on it?
1: Mm, I I take it back. That was my take.
0: <laughs> it uh, it definitely peaked early. You know, I I think that's commercially they probably made the right choice releasing the albums the way they did, mm-hmm. where America just got the good stuff. Yeah, you got the choice cuts of the Baxter Boys albums, right? Because the second half of this albums a real snooze fest. <laughs> if it's not making us aggressively angry. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like. Mm. Would you would you recommend this?
1: Not this album. I agree.
0: I was like, I wouldn't recommend this one other than like a novelty. It's like, yeah. hey, you want to hear what Backstreet Boys was, what they sounded like to the rest of the world before we got them? <laughs> it's like this is it. It's interesting. I um, suppose. Don't for science. It was like the only worthwhile songs are the songs we already know and love. So it's yeah, like, you know that were on the American. Yeah. Release in next year. So it's like, yeah, pro- I probably wouldn't recommend this. I'd no. rec- just recommend the other one. Yeah. <laughs> 1997's Backstreet Boys. Absolutely. Oh, but let's let's see how the world reacted to the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys became one of the most successful debut albums internationally. It reached number one in Austria, Canada, Germany, Hungary, Malaysia, Switzerland, and Taiwan. And it cracked the top 10 in many others. Wow. Uh, A top seller around the world, the album was certified platinum in Argentina, Austria, Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Denmark, Germany, Hong Kong, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Poland, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland. Okay, boys. And largely on the back of their singles, Backstreet Boys and the album were warmly received by critics who identified the band as the next big vocal group. It was like they... I, th- I looked it up. Like, the, the new kids on the block, they broke up in 94. And, mm. like, there was a void to fill. Oh, yeah? And everyone said, yeah, Baxter Bush fit right in. Oh, <laughs> so well. The world wanted a new, new kids on the block. A new thing. And they got it. Th- they got the new new kids. <laughs> uh, the Gavin Report commented that, quote, ranging in ages from 15 to 22, this Orlando-based quintet counts acts like Boyz II Men, Shay, and Jodeci among their influences. The approach... Though is very much their own, and the music fills a void on Top 40 right now. Okay. And Billboard wrote that the, quote, photogenic young male quintet looks, re- looks ready to jump into the void, long left open by the now absent new kids on the block. They harmonize, grunt, and chant with faux street authority over a Euro-savvy pop jeep groove. Odds are good that they will go home winners.
1: Was there grunting?
0: Pro- I don't like it. <laughs> Probably. Blech. Uh, The album's tracks were described as, quote, up-tempo and infectious by European magazine Music and Media and British magazine Music Week, with both outlets noting the group's stellar vocal ability, which they were pretty good. Yeah. They harmonized well. Yeah. And of songs, Quit Playing Games With My Heart and As Long As You Love Me, the the Chicago Tribune said, quote, the boys embody teen draba vulnerability, while Music Week called the former a, quote, warm Mid-tempo, but somewhat up unexceptional R&B number.
1: Oh, gosh. That felt rude.
0: Baxter Boys also received Starter. What? Which is oh, called that must be German. Best Newcomers and the Shooting Star of the Year at Germany's Viva Comet Awards. They received a German Bravo Auto for Gold Pop Group. They were named Best Boy Band at Germany's Goldene Kamera. And they were named Best New Tour Act at the British Smash Hit Awards. Wow! And "Get Down," you're the only one for me, which was a song from the album, won the MTV Select at the MTV Europe Music Awards.
1: They cleaned up. I mean, yeah, they, they were they talented did. boys.
0: So yeah, it was it was quite a hit. Backstreet Boys they they were super popular, and we weren't even we didn't even <laughs> know it yet. <laughs> we were unaware under our noses. Um and. Unfortunately, uh, the Backstreet Boys, this is the end of the road with them on Media Made. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to be listening to any more Backstreet Boys, so I need to talk about the, the legacy of Backstreet Boys and when, where they went from here. Uh, I'm going to try to do this, you know, swiftly. <laughs> In 1997, Backstreet Boys released their follow-up album Backstreet's Back internationally with hit songs like... Every. Everybody! <laughs> yeah! And As Long As You Love Me, the album saw even greater success than their debut. That same year, the group released a compilation album titled Backstreet Boys in the United States, which featured hits from their first two releases. That album peaked at number four on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart and has been certified 14 times platinum, having sold over 14 million copies to date in the United States. Wow. And they they, That's they, they, announced themselves. They're like, hey, we're here. <laughs> And it worked. Backstreets back yep. for the first time. In uh, 1998, Brian Luttrell brought a lawsuit against Lou Pearlman and Transcontinental Records, uh, claiming that Pearlman had not been truthful about the earnings made by the group from 1993 to 1997. Pearlman and his company took about 10 million in revenue, while the band only got $300,000. Uh, wow.
1: In the
0: f- in the following year, McLean, Richardson, and Duro joined the lawsuit, which eventually resulted in a number of settlements. Yeah. And uh unfortunately that's not the end of the story with Lou Pearlman and we'll get to that in a future show. <laughs> the Backstreet Boys cemented their superstardom with 1999's Millennium, which debuted at number 1 on the Billboard 200 and went on to become the best-selling album of 1999 in the US with singles like I Want It That Way, Larger Than Life and Show Me the Meaning Show me the meaning, of, me be- the
1: meaning of being long.
0: Becoming international mega-hits.
1: It's just a feeling (laughs) I need to know, yeah. All
0: right, they followed...
1: Tell me why.
0: They followed up Millennium with 2000's Black & Blue, which recorded the best international sales in a week for an album in history by selling over 5 million copies in the first week of sales globally. It's quite a feat. Yeah. Um, After a years-long hiatus in the early 2000s, which involved solo projects, management disputes, and A.J. McLean's public battle with drugs... Backstreet Boys reformed in 2003 and began recording and touring again in 2004. They were back. Backstreet's back. All right. Uh, Their comeback album, Never Gone, released in 2005. It debuted at number three in the US and received mediocre reviews. Mm. Kevin Richardson amicably left the band in 2006, but returned in 2012. Oh. Backstreet Boys has continued to tour and record music over the past decade and a half, with the band currently working on a Christmas album due out in 2022.
1: No, thank you.
0: Outside of music, Backstreet Boys have spawned countless media tie-ins, including a 1999 Puzzles in Motion CD-ROM video game, a 2000 Stanley-produced comic book and resulting Burger King tie-in called B- Backstreet's Project. I remember that. A 2015 documentary film called Backstreet Boys, Show Them What You're Made Of, and a 2017 Las Vegas residency show called Backstreet Boys, Larger Than Life. Okay. Um, fun fact... About five or so years ago, I published an article on the website lasertimepodcast.com called NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys versus Pop Culture, where I discussed the um, media presence of both bands, like in movies, TV shows, commercials, and video games. And mm-hmm. I decided which one had the better presence in all the different categories. So if you want to check that out, I will repost it on all of our social media platforms.
1: All? Yeah.
0: You know, both of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, good, I ta- it was a good article. I talked a lot about their various things. Uh, the Backstreet Boys have sold over one million records worldwide, making them the best selling boy band of all time. Oh, uh, they are the first group since Led Zeppelin to have their first 10 albums reach the top 10 in the Billboard 200.
1: Best selling boy group of all time from a m- nope. like it, it, of all time. Yes. Like of all time. Yep. Like Jackson 5 was a boy band.
0: I assume they made more money. Of all time, than... yeah.
1: I'm not army, but more than BTS.
0: For uh, accuracy' sake, Backstreet Boys is number one. The Osmonds is number two. The Jackson Five is number three. New Kids on the Block number four, and Bay City Rollers number five.
1: Wow. Yeah. That is, that is. Honestly, very surprising to me. Yep. Not that you guys didn't work hard. You were hardworking boys, even though your first album was really kind of skanky and creepy. You did it.
0: Boys were boys. No. (laughs) Uh, They are, yeah. Uh, The group has received eight Grammy nominations as of 2019, but no wins. Though they have received two American Music Awards, five Billboard Music Awards, two MTV Video Music Awards, a Juno Award, and a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That is the Backstreet Boys
1: good job boys
0: boys will be boys (laughs) sorry (sighs) so uh, that's that we're going to close out this segment with the song I want to be with you which I thought had a really fun chorus and I want to close out with it okay and uh, we will see you on the other side of the break with my album of 1996 let's go I wanna be
1: Be back with much more fun Now don't you change that channel, son Énergie présente Les Backstreet Boys
0: Vous connaissez tous leurs tubes Découvrez leur album
1: We're playing games with my...
0: Street Boys, trois tubes dans le même album. Actual fantasy? Good morning! Sounds like my music is waking up from from the long day's journey. I don't know, like a long sleep.
1: The sun is rising, yeah. Hi. and we
0: rise with it. We're back with the opening track to my album of 1996. But Before I tell you what that album is, one um, you've already seen. It, I um, was like,
1: um, you've probably read this. Maybe not. Maybe you're just a fan, and you said, nah, I don't care what it is about. A surprise. Just click.
0: Um, I will say, during the break, I played for Jess the song Better Off Alone by Alice DJ, which was one of my favorite uh, techno trance songs from the turn of the millennium. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is EDM of that era. And you go, yes, I have heard that.
1: I have heard that.
0: Yeah, that is what was popular, more popular in the UK before it was here in the US. Makes you know? sense. And, and, you know, it wasn't even, it was, like, not mainstream at all, you know, until way later. You know, we, we had some, we had, we had a few... You know, one-hit wonder type things that were in that vein. I was thinking Blue, "Abadi Abadi." Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> During yeah, During the break, I was like, that's EDM. That was a hit. Yeah. But, like, you know, EDM was mostly popular in the U.S. with you know, your internet users and your rave ravers. Rave culture, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, rave culture was way bigger in, the U- like, the Europe than it was in the U.S. In the Europe. In the Europe.
1: I mean, it still is.
0: Yeah, but that, you know, just some... Jess has heard it, for sure.
1: I have. So I am sorry for the falsities I stated just a half hour ago.
0: But what was that uh, uh, that orchestral uh, music that opened up this segment? Released October 23rd, 1996. The sophomore album and Black Sheep release of this progressive rock project that would be Actual Fantasy by Arion. It's our first two in a row. Arion. For Arion. Well, no, we haven't done a two in a row before. Oh, right. Last year, it was Arion as yeah, well. Yeah, 1995. We talked about Arion's, uh debut album, The Final Experiment, and uh, it was something. I'm <laughs> sure I opened a lot of eyes. Um, Some inner eyes. But yeah, actual fantasy was his follow-up, and it's very different from a lot of the other Arion releases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get into all of that, but... Actual fantasy, like, I'm trying to think. So, obviously, this is the first time you've heard this album. Right. Was for this project, and Arianne in general. Yes. Um, I talked a little bit about my history with Arion in our previous episode. Um, I will say, after I listened to their, two th- I think it's 2004 or five album, which is called um, The Human Equation. Mm. Um, like, I, I basically, I liked that album a lot, and I looked into their catalog, and I saw, oh, yeah. Like, all of their albums have this narrative uh, thread that goes throughout. Like they they legit put, you know, history and lore and characters, a universe's uh, worth of history in all of their albums. Mm -hmm. Like all of Arian's discography covers the start and end of a universe. Um, And I was like, that sounds really interesting. That sounds like I should download all of their albums. Uh, And this was back in the day when I was torrenting music. (laughs) I was like, I will torrent their entire discography and listen to all of their albums. So, I just listened to them from start to finish, and uh, that's how I listened to The Final Experiment, and that's how I listened to this album. The most? Actual Fantasy. And we talked about this in our previous music episode, but, like, 90s album rock mm-hmm. was not really my thing. Like right. There weren't a lot of bands and projects releasing music that I would want to seek out the album itself and listen to it. I love a lot of music from the 90s, but not enough to listen to a full album's worth. So Mm -hmm. we're going to get a lot of weird, (laughs) just off-the-wall stuff from me, okay? It's like, Arion, it's like, yeah, their albums tell a full coherent story, so I want to listen to the whole thing. I'm like, uh, Sublime, do I want to listen to all their songs from one album? No.
1: <laughs> Why not?
0: It's just not the way it was. It's like radio hits and that's it. I
1: get it. I get yeah, it.
0: It's weird. but uh,
1: Also, you keep saying they for Ariane. Are you referring to the project as a whole as the group of people or is Ariane the singer, the it, one it, person?
0: Arian, Arian, the, the guy who leads the group. It's, you, it's mostly him, but yes. he has a bunch of people involved. Okay, well, no, yeah. I was just asking
1: because I know that it's technically Ariane it, is one person, so I was like, oh, do do they use they-them no, programs? No, so no, just, just him.
0: Okay. It's mostly just him, but he's got a lot of friends.
1: I wish, the, I I friends. wish the same could be said for me. <laughs> it's mostly just me, but I got no friends. Oh,
0: um, So, before I get into the album proper, let me tell you uh, what Sir Arian has, was doing between 95 and 96.
1: Oh, a lot got done. A whole new album.
0: Yeah. He's whole, a workhorse. whole new album. As we talked about in our 1995 music episode, Dutch multi-instrumentalist Arian Anthony Lucasen Found surprise success throughout Europe and beyond with his ambitious metal opera album *Ariane: The Final Experiment*. Can you give the folks a, a reminder on what we talked about in *Ariane: The Final Experiment*?
1: Yeah, of course, because I paid a lot of attention and I knew exactly like what we had going on. So we talked about uh, *Ariane*. We talked about computers, banishment minstrel boy and Ariane's fate which you know like talk through those are, those uh, are the songs
0: we talked about yep that you're reading straight from your notes
1: <laughs> and we talked about how it was the uh the bard minstrel blind man who got the vision of the computer future But king arthur kicked him out of the pa- no merlin kicked him out of the palace and then was real sad about it because he made he was big mad about. i think the merlin decisions. killed him or
0: something he poisoned him or cursed him or something. Yes.
1: And then he was like, oh, no, my bad. Like that.
0: We talked about It's Gobbledygook. Like, it was ambitious to write a metal opera, meaning an album that tells a story. But the album's story is super nerdy. Yes. Uh, it's like...
1: But we like nerds in this it was house. Like a po-
0: it's like a post-apocalyptic future, and their last hope is to send visions of the future to a blind minstrel boy in Arthurian times.
1: <laughs> Sounds very much like that, uh... Bollywood movie we just <laughs> discussed.
0: It's like medieval uh, history mixed with sci-fi, and it's just like you know the most nerdy thing you could think of. But it it was creative, yeah, it's original,
1: and it it got a following.
0: It was a surprise success. Yeah, yeah, it was like th- a Dutch treasure, <laughs> <laughs> national treasure of of the Netherlands. So given the record success, Lucas and quickly entered the studio to record a follow up using the arion name as the attributed artist artist this time so with the final experiment the name of the album was arion colon, the final experiment mm-hmm. and there was no artist attached to it for this album he decided to basically take arion and call it the band yes the band project whatever is now called arion and all of their albums further on will have their own names. got it so this is uh, actual fantasy by arion yes because Lucasen notoriously does not like to repeat himself, the decision for this album was to not feature a single overarching story concept, but instead a collection of songs with shared themes based on science fiction, fantasy films, and stories written by Lucasen himself. Okay. So this is a much more traditional album with just songs, and it's like people like to say that this album still is a concept album because it, you know, all the songs share. Similar themes, themes mm-hmm. but it's not a story. It's not an opera. Okay. All the songs are disconnected from each other narratively. Got it. They will tell stories, though. Okay. The album was titled Actual Fantasy, according to Arion's website. Quote, on actual fantasy, Arian wanted to simulate fantasy, not simulate re- reality. Actual fantasy is the opposite of virtual reality. <laughs> what? That's that's what he said.
1: <laughs> One more again. Humble monk.
0: Actual fantasy is the opposite of virtual reality. He's not wrong. Like the words themselves, actual, virtual, fantasy, reality.
1: So the concept is fantasy in reality. So what we would consider fantasyful. So it would be like, there is a dragon in this room. We are recording with a dragon. That is not fantasy. We're recording with a dragon sitting on the table. It is a dragon. It's nonsense. It's a tea dragon. We have a tea dragon, a tea dragon sitting right here. Watching us. It's
0: just nonsense. It's just escapism. I think that's what he meant. Like, yeah, this is just me writing songs about escapism. Like, you know, let's talk about sci-fi and, and, and fantasy movies that I enjoy. And, you Do you know. want
1: to write a song about escapism?
0: I, I feel like all, like most albums are actual fantasy. Except Confessions by Usher. <laughs> <laughs> or Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. So to better fit with the themes presented, Lucason intended to make the album completely electronic. Going back to our Baxter Boys conversation, there was you know a lot of a lot of interest in electronic music at the time. Apparently, that especially makes sense. especially in Europe, like I said. To that end, the final release did not feature live drums; it featured a digital drum computer instead. You know, a lot of metal purists would be very upset by that. Can detail. they hear
1: the difference?
0: Yes. Remember, we talked about it in 1992. Yes, we I do to, remember it. We, we don't to, have to rehash. No, Dream Theater, <laughs> Dream Theater's album. We talked about uh, how. The producer insisted on using triggered snare sounds. So I do like, remember
1: this conversation. Yeah,
0: digital snare, not real acoustic live snare. And that made the band mad and the you know purest music fans mad. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they want authenticity. Yeah. Real drums have a very particular type of sound. Yes. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, like the final experiment before it, Actual Fantasy features several guest vocalists and musicians, several of which performed on the final experiment.
1: Was Whitney part of it? No. Okay.
0: I'm sure he would love to have Whitney Houston be a character in one of his albums. It just didn't work out that way.
1: That would have been excellent. Just like the seer and just wailing, but it's Whitney Houston's voice. If
0: Arian had the uh, the clout.
1: The connections. Yeah. Yeah. Or if Whitney was interested in it. like, Because sometimes you're like... As, you know, like artists like different things. Like not just because you play this doesn't mean it's the only thing you listen to.
0: As Arion gets more like popular as the years go on, he gets bigger and bigger like names in the progressive metal scene mm-hmm. or metal scene really. You know, so he hasn't branched. Out. I don't think he's branched out to like pure on pop like pure pop yet. But
1: hey, Taylor Swift, I think that you should sing on one of their tracks if if you can convince Arion.
0: I'm just saying, if Twitter can bully. Um, Weezer into covering uh, Africa by Toto. I'm sure Twitter can, you know, bully a, a famous pop musician or pop singer I to do, sing on an Arion album.
1: I do not want to be bullied by Twitter. <laughs> no.
0: All right. So this uh, the songs on this album feature Edward Reekers, a vocalist of the Dutch progressive rock band Kayak, Oki Hewitson. H- <laughs> Huey <laughs> okay. Zenz, a lot of names here I can't pronounce, uh, who worked with Lukasen on his previous bands, uh, Bodine and Vengeance, mm-hmm. and Robert Soderboek, who sang with Lukasen on a failed rock band called Planet Nine, which is almost certainly a sci-fi reference.
1: Oh, I thought it was like a reference to Pizza Planet. Pl-
0: Planet Nine from Outer Space. That's a, that's a TV show, I believe, or movie. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's like an old B movie, I think. Um, but yeah, that that's really it as as far as actual fantasy goes. It was just like, cr- Lucas then found success, and he cranked this out in a year.
1: All right, good job.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about some songs. All right, which song do you want to talk about first? This first song we're going to talk about is, so actually, like, I had difficulty deciding. I was like, which songs do I want to talk about? Because while I like I do enjoy this album musically, none of the songs really, like, stick in my brain. Like, I had no idea what the, uh, the stories for these songs were. Mm-hmm. So I was just like... I looked at this this set list and I was like, I guess I'll just play the four songs that I remember the most. Yeah. And here we go. So, the first song we're going to talk about is called Abbey of Sin. All right. With two N's.
1: (laughs) And a Y. (laughs)
0: quite a long intro for this one uh so it opens up with some you know uh, synth choir sounds like wah, 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 wah.
1: Whoa, 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 and you got a little
0: bit of synth in there and the vocals will come in uh very soon um but before i play like the lyrics if i so i guess i'll start with this question if i was to tell you that this song obviously tells a story with a setting and characters what kind of setting would you Given just that introduction, where would you think this song takes place? A church? Yeah. Yes. The song takes place at an abbey.
1: Ah, that's why it's called Abbey Sin.
0: Abbey of Sin. Um, so here's another test. Um, I want you, based on your knowledge so far of your, you know, you listening to the, the songs and looking at the lyrics before I play any more, what do you think this song is about? What's the story of this song?
1: Church bad?
0: <laughs> just that's it? <laughs>
1: A little bit. Um, wait, is it supposed to be Fantas for the Fool?
0: I mean, sort of. Because here's the secret. I have the the de- the description of the story from the Arion website ah. right here. And I'm going to read it to you okay. after you guess.
1: I mean, when I was reading through it, it made me think of uh, Man in the Iron Mask. Mm. Or uh, what's that one where he's like real sad about his wife and betrayal? Don Quixote?
0: Oh, you're maybe a Count of Money crystal.
1: That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an English major, guys. Um, it made me think of, like, yeah, being, like, trapped in a place.
0: Medieval prison.
1: Yeah, it, it, that's mostly what it is. I understand that they do talk about, like, a church and stuff. But um, that was more or less what I thought. What what, what does Arion say on his website?
0: <laughs> Here it is. I'm going to read it verbatim. Sin is the old spelling for sin. <laughs> Oh gosh! And also refers to the important role of the synthesizer on the on the CD. Ah! So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Okay. Because again, the whole the whole album is very synth based. Yes. Which I enjoy. I love synthesizers. Yes, you do. Um, and I will play plenty of good synth on this episode. But inspired by the movie Name of the Rose with Sean Connery. Who's that? <laughs> James Bond. Who's that? Uh, the song tells the story of a monastery where laughter is strictly forbidden. Oh. One by one, monks die mysteriously, each having blackened, each having a blackened finger and tongue. It turns out that the monks have discovered a book with comedy written by Aristotle, but the pages are poisoned. If you lick your finger to turn a page, it will kill you. So I have not seen Name of the Rose, but I watched the trailer for it. And based on what I saw in the trailer, I'm pretty sure this song is just, just retelling the plot of the movie. Huh. The movie seemed like it was like Sean Connery comes into this abbey and he is, he's almost like an old timey Sherlock Holmes. He's there to solve the mystery. Why are Mm -hmm. all these monks dying mysteriously? Is it murder? (laughs) And so he's solving clues and like things are going on in the background and he's like, oh my goodness, what's happening? And he realizes like, yeah, all these, all these abbots have a blackened tongue and blackened fingers. Mm -hmm. Like what's the connection? And it's you know they all the book is poisoned. They lick they the keep, book. Yeah, they keep dying.
1: They keep licking books. All right, kids, don't wet your finger to turn a page.
0: So, would you have ever guessed that?
1: No, I would not have.
0: <laughs> like I said, like I mentioned at the before, a lot of the songs are based on movies that he enjoys.
1: I don't. I've never seen a movie before 1996.
0: So uh, we're gonna we're gonna start out. We're gonna listen to a little bit of these lyrics and try to dissect what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> Subtitles I mean, it it just reads like a storybook.
1: Yeah. I literally, look at my first note.
0: Storybook. (laughs) Once upon a time, as in ancient history, high upon a hill, a shroud of mystery, loomed the abbey as we journeyed through the night. Hey, the song takes place in an abbey. Get it? Yep. Anything else you want to point out on these lyrics?
1: Uh, the second verse made me at the end put nevermore. It felt very much Edgar Allan Poe. Yes,
0: I, I as
1: we entered through the gates, we heard the silent calls. There was something evil that lurked within these walls. As I relive my day, as I relive my days in this godforsaken place, all that appears before me now is her face, and she says. Nevermore. <laughs> that last part's not in there, but it fit really easy. Yeah, it
0: it, it has, <laughs> it's very gothic, mm. and I think obviously, uh, Aryan Lukasen, the the man, he's he's a big fan of these old like I, I assume because he wrote his last album about Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. he's a big fan of like either fantasy fantasy stories or um, medieval stories.
1: Period pieces, definitely.
0: Old timey stuff. So Meh. this gothic tale of like. An abbot Sherlock Holmes trying to solve a mystery in a monastery or an <laughs> abbey. It, it, it connected with him, obviously.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think even just like... It still does read pretty storybookish because the third verse, I I legit wrote. It, it feels like book two, chapter five. Like just opening. It feels almost like another man died today like the ones before. Like this is probably why I felt it was I'm trapped in a, a dungeon chained to a wall kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it felt very like... I'm in here. I don't know. It brought to mind several books that I've read before and it was like, this could be the beginning of a
0: chapter. <laughs> yeah. Well then let's skip ahead to uh what what like where those later uh, verses come in. Like the song like picks up, gets more um energetic and rock-ish. Mm-hmm. Like the guitars come in, the synths come in, and the drums come in. Right, right. Definitely builds on itself. So the the song's going to uh, have already amped up by this point. But basically the song starts feeling like what you know the disorientation of who, who's causing these these murders <laughs> <laughs> what's killing these abbeys that's <laughs> my cookie Like, you heard a lot of the, the the plot in those lyrics there, right? Like, mm-hmm. talking about blackened fingers and heed the book, it's evil. <laughs> right? So, the song has already figured out that the book is the one that, the culprit here. Right. It holds the evil power, those who turn its leaves wither like a flower.
1: Yeah, I like, I like highlighted that line because I, when I was reading it, I was like, what does that mean? And now it's very obvious what it means, but it's a it's a very poetic line. Not knowing what it's about, I think that like knowing the story of the song takes it away a little bit.
0: So, in your mind, it's better to not ha- know the background than it is to know.
1: Yeah, because then it makes, like I don't think pedantic is the word, but it it grounds it so much more. Which I think, right? Like you're if that's what you're trying to actual fantasy, like you're trying to ground this fantasy.
0: Fantastical.
1: You're trying to grind, grind, ground. You're trying to place this fantasticalness in our kind of reality, so it, it takes a little bit of the like wonder out of it. Yeah. Uh for me, definitely because, the
0: ambiguity is gone.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's not bad. I think. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a perfect way to describe what happens in that movie. But without it, the idea that those who turn the leaves wither like a flower. It made me think I, – I paused there for a bit because I was like, okay, right? If this is supposed to be – because my brain went fantasical. I can't speak. My brain went, woo That's the new word for that. And it made me think – who turns the leaves? Literal seasons uh, with like a fa- flower. So it's just kind of those responsible or like for – turning to fall wither because what comes after that is winter.
0: It still could be read in a very poetic sense. Like novels do that. Like, you know, they dispense the plot while also being very poetic in their language.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. I just think that the line was better before I knew uh, that it was referring to, even though like it should still, that's a great way to say the leaves are a book and then you do wither. Like, I think that's very interesting, but uh, I don't know. It's um, not bad. It's still really good.
0: And then the song slows down a bit midway through. I should also mention this song is like nine minutes long, as all most of the songs on this album are. Yay. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I just yawned real big. Not a big fan of long songs. No. Um, the, anyway, there's a lot of movements in the songs. and I'm not going to play all the movements. I think that would be excessive. But the song does slow down a little bit. There's instrumentation with the synthesizers so that the musicality can come through. And then we get the resolution of the story. So obviously, they've identified this evil book that's killing all of their abbots. <laughs> and uh, they've come to one solution. You know what it is? Burn down the abbey. Correct. I see. of sin. So, uh, yeah, they burn the Abbey down and they lament the fact that this this laughter kills us. <laughs> this ancient evil, or whatever, ancient discipline.
1: This is why you must be sober at all times. So, no laughter, no happiness.
0: So many died in vain for an ancient discipline. That being humor <laughs> and Aristotle. <laughs> I don't know what his point is in writing this song. Like Thematically, I think, other than retelling the story of the, the movie. I mean,
1: it feels just like Hot Dad. Well, like it feels like Hot Dad does the same as him. It like just retelling the story of the, the thing.
0: Yeah, but not humorously. No, yeah. Hot Dad's you know keying into that ancient discipline.
1: <laughs> but no, yeah, no, because you said I don't know what his point is in retelling it. Sometimes you just want to make a song about a thing that you thought was cool.
0: I, I think that's all it is. Yeah, it's just he enjoyed this movie and is like, I I want to write a song about this movie I like. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they he mentions a seer. Like, mm-hmm. she came to me like a creature at the dawn, enchanting as the moon, radiant as the sun. It's like, who are you talking about?
1: I don't know, but that line was... The line that followed that was super confusing to me, but also, like, I... Okay, so the line, she took the boy in me and gave me back a man with a force I could not withstand, and I was like...
0: Mm. Did she seduce him?
1: I, I put, feels predatory, <laughs> but also somehow fantastical?
0: This sounds like something that happened in the movie. We just don't know the context for.
1: Yeah. Well, now that I know it's based on a movie, but like. Right. <laughs> it feels like. Mm, mm, seer, I think you saw bad. <laughs> I think you've done did bad.
0: Uh, so, again, I have no idea what that was even talking about. But this seer gave him some kind of knowledge. And he said, yep, it's time to burn this Abbey down. And uh, we'll all just move on from this horrible experience that we all had. (laughs) Who knows? If you've seen the movie, let us know. Because we're not going to watch it. That's true. Um, So, of course, I also want to use this song to talk about the musicality of actual fantasy. uh, Because the best part of this album is the music. You know, I I personally am not like... I don't connect with the lyrics as much as I do other songs from other artists mm-hmm. um, but the music in this like every time I hear these songs like oh that's some good like especially the synthesizers that's some good synth that's a good good synth um, and, and the rest of the music is good too. Um, so there's a there's a um, a drop early in the song where the song goes from being this very like atmospheric, synthy song, and then it drops and the drums and the guitar come in, right? And it becomes more of a hard rocking song, right? Mm. I'm going to play that portion of the song to give you an idea of where the song goes musically. I'm also going to use that portion to compare what is an electronic drum machine and what is live drums, because this album was re-recorded with live drums like 10 years later. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to play that portion with the drum sound, the, the digital drum sounds, Okay. I think it's the 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 cymbal sound. The it sounds very canned, like a sample. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the cymbals, it's the same cymbal sound, like played four times. It's like Mario paints or something. <laughs> um, and then, so now I'm gonna play the um, the version with the live drums that was re-recorded some years later. Okay. I don't know, just has much more of a dynamic sound. Did you hear any difference in any of those cliffs? Yes. She says as she shakes her head.
1: No, but def definitely keen ear. Keen ear, I've got those.
0: So you're not a, m you're definitely not a musician. I don't know.
1: Yes, I am. <laughs> I've played musical chairs.
0: I, I think maybe this is just a thing that musicians will notice and other people don't. Are you a musician? I'm not. I married a musician. I'm not a musician either. But I, I guess like you have to have that type of ear to like appreciate or care. Yeah. I, yeah. I Yeah. And because he said like this is something that he had been thinking about for years. Like, oh, what would actual fantasy sound like if it had real drums on it? But it would have been too expensive to re-record it. And then we did it. And it's, you know, it's like sounds so much better. Now they only sell the version with the live drums. Huh. So it's just it, it's only important to certain people. <laughs>
1: And that matters. And if it is important to the artist, then that is some of the most important people that is important to.
0: That made sense, right? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Um, and I, I yeah, if, I, if he's happy he's making the art he wants to make, then that's cool. Yeah. And I, I do.
1: Funds are not a reason to make art he's not happy with.
0: And I, you know, you know, me going into it, I can hear the difference. Yeah. So, you know, I, I appreciate it. Which is good
1: because it's your album and you enjoy right. it.
0: And, and it goes to show the difference between us, where you're definitely someone who harps more on the lyric. And the general feel of a song, I guess, right?
1: This is true, except for, you know, my album
0: of this year. <laughs> Whereas I'm going into, you know, looking at the art, like the musicianship. We talked about that already. And of course, the song also ends with an epic synth solo, and uh, I just want to play a little bit of that because it's so dang good. <laughs> okay. Woo! Yeah, that is a like a synth. That, that's like the smoothest synth lead ever. Like it just sounds so good.
1: I like watching you when you're listening to music you enjoy. You get so smiley.
0: Um, so that is a Hammond synthesizer solo played by Renee Merkelbach. That's a good name, Renee. Renee. So uh, no, I meant Merkelbach. I was Mer- just <laughs> Mer- 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 Merkelbach.
1: Yes. Okay. I mean, I have to agree. I mean, I I'm not the as big a fan of synth as you are, but I enjoy synth. So mm-hmm. I and agree.
0: It, I have loved the last 10 years where synthesizers have become way more popular. Like they have a, there's like a renaissance of synth. I hear synthesizers in movie soundtracks now. Like everyone's inspired by um, John Carpenter soundtracks now mm-hmm. from the 80s. And they you know, I hear it in like, you know, um, Stranger Things and that, those kind of shows have really like brought synth back. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so every song on this album ends with a, a killer synth or keyboard solo. So that's definitely something. If you enjoy keyboard solos, this is the album for you.
1: Yeah. I, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But I guess that's all we have to say about Abbey of Sin. Um, before we move on to the next song, I will mention, because this is the only... Th- this was just luck of the draw. These are the on- this is the only song... Of the four we're going to talk about based on a movie. Okay. Yeah, the rest are all based on original story concepts by Mr. Lucas and himself. All right. But other songs in the album, uh, if you care to listen, are inspired by Australian film The Navigator, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, and The NeverEnding Story. Fun.
1: Atreyu! Atreyu! Atreyu!
0: I I went like after I realized that the song "Forevermore" is based on "Neverending Story," I went and re-listened to it. I was like, "This song is really boring," so it wouldn't have been fun for me to talk about. But that is quite funny.
1: That is well, maybe if we had to go back and watch "Neverending Story." I've never
0: seen it. I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's probably boring. Um, So the next song we're going to talk about is called "The Stranger from Within." Another long synth introduction. This one sounds like Sonic the Hedgehog music. Sounds like something straight out of Sonic Adventure 2. Okay. Just the, the synthy parts. It sounds like something from a Dr. Eggman stage.
1: I will have to agree with you, <laughs> as I do not play video games.
0: Um, so uh, would you want to take a stab on what this song is about before I tell you what the website told me? Jesus. He's the stranger from within?
1: Yes. He was a stranger. They shot him, and now he's dead. I'm out of danger. He lives inside, lives on inside my head. He said he'd come for the world behind my dreams, from the depths of my mind. He said he'd burn like a star and disappear, but he'd leave his spirit behind.
0: They shot him. Did they shoot Jesus?
1: Yes. No. <laughs> With a whip. <laughs> well, he was. A, it's his own story. He so- didn't retell the Bible story. He was just like mm, in a dream. Jesus got shot for my sins. <laughs> <laughs> But he left his spirit behind. It's a modern Jesus. <laughs> this Jesus has short, spiky hair. That line, That is literally what I'm going to do. So you're
0: going to go for like a spiritual edge where.
1: Okay. So it was either that or it was like it made me think of uh, Fight Club. Uh, we won't. For anyone who hasn't seen Fight Club, we're not going to give spoilers. But, you know. Yes.
0: <laughs> if you've seen Fight Club, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> So you, you think it may be, okay, I can see that. Is Fight it, Club hadn't come out? Well, the book might have. Yeah,
1: the book definitely was out.
0: Uh, yeah, the movie came out in 99, but okay, okay. Or Jesus. Do you want me to tell you what the song is about?
1: What did you think it was about before you it? I read had no it? idea. Oh, okay. To
0: be honest, I didn't look at the lyrics until after I read the, Boo, the description. Boo, so, cheater. Yeah. Um, was it Jesus? It was not. In this story that Aryan wrote himself, doctors are trying to find a way to help a girl who is in a coma. In this state, she begins to fantasize about some stranger. He could be dangerous or harmless or just a mu or just a magician. That stranger tells her that she can cure herself using her own imagination, and that and then he allows the doctors to shoot him as he takes the disease with him. With girl the girl wakes up and the stranger from within has become part of her. That's the story. Okay. I was like, why? It's so funny that he had to he had to include that line where it's like he could be dangerous or harmless or a magician. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you had to be weird, didn't you? <laughs> like was. I was like that is that is Aryan right there, like you know it's always like the gro- whatever's grounded mm-hmm. becomes fantastical, yeah, like, he has to put like you know a f- weird fantasy spin on it, so or a
1: wizard, yeah, so
0: there's a wizard that is. Living in this girl, little girl's mind as she's in a coma,
1: a possible wizard, <laughs>
0: maybe a wizard,
1: perhaps wizard living in her mind. Maybe it's
0: a, a fracture, part of her personality.
1: No, honestly, when you would like explain when you were reading it, I was like, oh, it sounds like a traumatic a trauma response and the development of DID. Like, <laughs> yep. like that's the story he's telling. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense.
0: So let's jump so, into verse one here. So not Jesus. No, not maybe,
1: maybe, maybe a magician. <laughs>
0: Is it Jesus or a magician? All right, so let's go into verse 1 so we can hear the introduction of the stranger from within.
1: you dance to this like
0: you're riding on a horse. <laughs> is he a stranger? Is he a danger?
1: Or is he just another man, which is a synonym for both the stranger and danger? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he could he could it, it, it all it, it could track that it is Jesus Christ in her head. That's true. You know, and, and the stranger has come from where from somewhere to basically tell her, "Hey, I can help you get out of this coma."
1: Like Jesus. I mean that tracks very that tracks very much for you Je- that's a lot of points in the Jesus in the Jesus <laughs> column just saying I didn't really have anything uh to say about this I only underlined one line which they're gonna trace him and then cause him to die
0: Jesus yeah uh, I'll, I'll play <laughs> that that's verse two here
1: that whole verse isn't just about jesus
0: i don't know all i hear is what the song is meant to be it's just like this i don't know it's it's almost like weird and creepy almost like yeah this voice in my head is telling me like oh yeah i'm gonna cure him but you know they won't understand me out there uh they're gonna have to kill me in order to make this happen i
1: mean i like i get it in other lines i totally like get the creep Uh, And I'm not saying this one isn't creepy either, but it's just kind of like some of the things. A man with a destiny, a rearranger of fate, a changer of lives. They will erase him for they are afraid of him. They're going to trace him and then cause him to die.
0: Yeah, it could be Jesus. (laughs) Or a magician. (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, there's a line here that says, later on, he said he'd cure me. I do not have to die. I told him my fate... I hold my fate in my hands," he said. "He'd always be there every time I'd cry. One day I would understand." I was like, "When?" Because I don't understand. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is coming some kind of strange spiritual journey that this little girl's going on in her head. It's 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 something. It's creative. Like he's trying to do a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't make it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's, it's almost a horror story almost yeah. like it, it, it could be like inverted back It's supposed to be like a hopeful story about this little girl getting freed from a coma by you know this this benevolent stranger in her head but it's it's very unsettling very it can be just with a small twist small change of perspective it becomes a very horrific experience mm-hmm. it's like hey I'm always gonna be here I'll, I'll be here forever you know you'll be a, I'll be a part of you it's like I don't mm-hmm. like it what does that mean um, and yeah. Uh, somebody else, you heard it with a lot of the, the singing voices. Like, there's a lot of, like, uh, digital, like, filters on people's voices mm-hmm. where it sounds otherworldly as well. Yeah. He's, like, using digital sounds to make the voices on the album sound otherworldly, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, like, I wouldn't say it's necessarily, like, computer voices, but the fact that they sound like computer voices makes it more unnatural. Yeah. You know? Like, He's like using the subconscious. He's using digital to like, you know, simulate the subconscious voice in her head. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's interesting. He's making I, the most of the the production
1: yeah, of the I, album. I think even like along those lines, the thought of if she is, if this girl's in a coma, then she's surrounded by electronics beeping and doing yeah, stuff. So that's yeah. another layer of storytelling for why to use those kind of um, filters.
0: Let's get to the point where they shoot him. <laughs> Which is, in quotes, they shot him.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: Shot him and now he's dead.
1: They sing that with too much joy. They shot him and now he's dead. <laughs> that's that's how that's how they read
0: that. That that is, in my opinion, the biggest failing of Arion as a musical group mm-hmm. is their vocal melodies always sound a little off. Mm-hmm. Like they don't quite fit the the context of the story they're telling. Mm-hmm. And um, the be- some of the best Ariane songs are songs where he didn't write the vocal melody himself. You know, he gave he, because he gives a lot of freedom to his guest musicians right. where he says, You know, oh, what do you want to do? And they'll say, Well, I want to write the lyrics for this song. Yeah. Or I want to write the lo- vocal melody that su- suits my voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, Cool, do it. And I think that's cool that he does that. But when it cu- falls on him, I don't know. There's, there's something about him where he seems too earnest. He's too much of a like a joy joy filled guy to like you know <laughs> to get these this melody correct. Yeah, especially about... when he's writing heavy metal, like mm-hmm. he he is a great heavy metal musician, not a great heavy metal singer. Like his songs don't sound when he sings himself. Yeah, especially it's like this doesn't sound like heavy metal, dude, because of your voice and the way you sing. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. It just doesn't fit that style.
1: Yeah, but still, your music's good. Yeah, according to people who like it
0: what do you think they mean by he, they shot him and now he's dead?
1: You shot him with like saline or something. Like she woke him up. She got she got some shots and she woke up from her coma. That's, that's how that works, that's right? That's what I
0: thought. Yeah, it was like a syringe. Or or was it like a defibrillator? Is that what it is? Oh, yeah, with, with maybe. The shocks. Mm-hmm. They shocked him and now- the paddles. She, now he's dead. And so her, her otherworldly friend in her head is gone. And just lives there. Benign. <laughs> in that's her head.
1: Terrifying. Don't like that. <laughs>
0: Um, so uh, something that's interesting about this album is mm-hmm. that a lot of the songs, even though they are unrelated to the the overarching story of Arion, right? With all you know, the Arion is just a lot of different weird stories going on. Mm-hmm. Um, because this song, these songs are kind of unrelated to those stories, people tend to like discount them, you know, from the overarching story. But it is interesting that. A lot of the ideas presented in this album, in these songs, end up getting reused for later Arion projects, later Arion albums, Mm -hmm. stories. So this song is about a little girl who's stuck in a coma, and she's speaking to some weird force in her head. One of the best Arion albums, I've mentioned it, The Human Equation, is about a man who falls into a coma and has conversations with the emotions in his head. And the emotions in his head are trying to help him sort through his, like, Disturbed past to get him to wake up, mm-hmm. you know, he he like fell into a coma after like experiencing like he- like extreme emotional stress And so all of his emotions are like trying to help him piece together what happened and helping to get him to wake up, you know confront his problems. So Arion is playing with those ideas here with this song.
1: Yeah, I can see that
0: It's done much better with the human equation, I believe this right
1: is a, a first draft
0: because in this one this magician or Jesus. We don't know who it is. magician <laughs> In the human equation, all of the emotions have their own names and they announce who they are and they all have different voices. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got reason and fear and anger and uh love. Feels, like
1: feels like a very specific episode of uh Teen Titans.
0: <laughs> I've seen Teen Titans, but not that one.
1: It's fine. But it sounds fun. It oh, does is that sound... with
0: with Raven? They yes. go with Raven's head. Yes, I do remember that. It's very similar, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to sing on the song? No. Or should I just close out on the synth solo? (laughs) That's some old school 60s, 70s street Oregon. Why is the organ on the street? Street organ. I don't know. Just something about it. It 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 reminds me of synth solos that you'd hear in Boston songs or uh, in a lot of 70s, like like rock fusion, jazz fusion, even. Uh, It's good stuff. That is played by keyboardist Clem Dietermeyer. Clem or Clem. Probably Clem. Clem Dietermeyer. Maybe
1: Clem. Or maybe (laughs) Clem. We don't speak the language. All right, moving on. Okay.
0: Uh, the next song we're gonna talk about is called Computer
1: Its alternate title is Extential Crisis.
0: This song I think has like the longest intro of all of them. It's like a full two minutes before any music starts.
1: Any lyrics? Any
0: yeah, before any before any vocals even come mm. in. Uh, so tell us, what, what do you think about computer eyes?
1: Oh, I said existential crisis. I meant to say existential crisis. I think it is about an existential crisis. I think it is about uh, sentience being gained and then immediately an existential crisis.
0: Any particular reason why, as far as lyrics go?
1: Yes. Lost in a World, created by man. Can't recall how it be- began. Tell me who I am. There is no escape. There is no way out of here. I'm locked in this universe. The real world would disappear where fantasy dies. Material lies. Mm, computer eyes. And then... Am I no... Am I no more than a program, an artificial dream, a river of electrons flowing through the stream? And it just keeps going downhill from that. I don't know if I exist. I think, therefore, I am. Without emotions, I am but a hologram. There is no escape. And walk through this universe where fantasy dies, material lies.
0: What do you make of all the computer lingo and imagery?
1: That there's a computer gaining sentience, oh. <laughs> a computer gaining sentience and then immediately having an existential crisis. Now,
0: that's interesting.
1: <laughs> is that not what it's about? It's not. It absolutely is. That's about that. way better. I will hear nothing else. I will give you the Jesus thing was wrong. But what I'm saying right now is very correct.
0: So it's like all artificial intelligence coming to life.
1: And that, then wishing immediately that it could not have.
0: I don't blame it. <laughs> no, that that's that's a cool interpretation. I love that. Um, nope, that's not about that. It's much more corny. Oh gosh! In true Arian fashion, unfortunately, this is a song. This song is a story. Arian wrote himself. It is about someone who has been playing a computer game for days. At a certain time, he isn't able to tell anymore whether he's been playing a game or he's become part of it. He doesn't feel any emotions and has become like a hologram, unable to find a way out. This song is certainly not an attack on computers for this album could never have been made without computers. It just all depends on how you use computers or virtual reality.
1: No. <laughs> Arian, you're a great guy, but you're wrong.
0: <laughs> so I have, we talked a little bit about this in our previous music episode where we talked about Arian's The Final Experiment, right? He had like this anxiety about technology and the future and you know uh the digital revolution Mm -hmm. right do you remember that
1: yes i do remember
0: yeah the the songs the one of the songs we talked about was computer computer rain and it's the same themes it is anxiety about technology um and i feel like where that song was a bit had a bit more finesse uh, it it, it presents its ideas a little bit more gracefully. I feel like this one. Once you know it's about a guy who's trapped in a computer game, it's v- very corny.
1: So let's do it with my reading.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I I think I like that. Um, before I play a little bit more of the song, this th- that theme of techno, you know, basically anxiety about technology and specifically anxiety about virtual reality was a real thing in the '90s, the mid '90s. Was Uh, it? I think, obviously, The Matrix was a big thing, right? And The Matrix isn't out yet, I'm sure. The ideas that fueled The Matrix, this idea is like, are we living in a simulation? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what is reality? You know, all these weird philosophical uh, concepts that are brought to life when talking about virtual reality were the same ideas that fueled this album or this song and The Matrix. Right. Right? And um, I'm thinking, like, Is Johnny Mnemonic about virtual reality? Yes. Um, Hackers is about virtual reality. Those are movies we talked about, like, Mm. Runners Up. Yeah. Similar things. Um, The Lawnmower Man. What? What?
1: That's
0: that's a movie about a virtual reality video game that, it's like a horror movie. Okay. Uh, there's a, there were were a lot. Spike Kids 3. Well, that was a bit later. (laughs) But there were a lot of like high concept movies about the evils of virtual reality and technology and video games, mm-hmm. um, and it was it presented video games in a much more darker light than you know your hopeful like Trons or yeah uh, the the Last Starfighter kind of thing. You know, v- video games and especially film at the time, they had a very antagonistic relationship. All video is like video games in the nineties when presented in film, were done so with a very dark edge. Mm -hmm. It was all about horror.
1: Yeah. And that didn't give them the greatest rep among
0: people. No. (laughs) Also, it it didn't help that the people who played, the people who wrote those movies didn't know anything about video games. Yeah. The Wachowskis did when they made The Matrix, but...
1: And the people who made um, Super Mario Brothers knew what they were doing. (laughs) No, not even them. Yes, they did. They knew exactly what they were doing. Especially not them. Especially them.
0: Galaxies, synthetic dreams, and false Is this
1: all so that first verse makes me think of uh, Brave Little Slothead. The <laughs> the song at the end where there are all the cars are being crushed. I don't know why. It's just like, I can recall how, I can't recall how it all began. Tell me who I am. It just makes me think of like them being like, oh, I took my person to a wedding and now I'm getting crushed.
0: (laughs) Musically or just the lyrical content? It
1: just brings to mind, lyrically, it brings to mind that. Not the song at all. It just makes me think of like, because I'm very sure that this is a machine, like my Macintosh is crying out. (laughs) Right?
0: And so. If we're gonna take his story to heart, this is some guy like he's been playing this video game for so long and he doesn't know who he is anymore. Like, who am I?
1: I can, uh. Is this all a lie? Gosh. I can speak to that, or not speak to that. I can relate to that in the, like, if I watch, if I partake of one media for too long and too, or too quickly. I absorb it like a sponge and that's what I start doing. Like I can't, I start. I watch watching Blacklist for a while and I had to stop just because the depravity of human nature. And so I started having like bad dreams about it, but then also started reacting in some ways. And I was like, oh, that's not good for me. <laughs> and so I can understand like sitting so long playing something and then just being like, I think we we do that, right? Like if you yeah. play Animal Crossing or something, which I don't, but <laughs> um, if you do, I could imagine you, like, being out somewhere and going, like, oh, that tree looks harvestable. That feels yeah, like- yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that, that's called the Tetris effect. Yes. In a way. Like, uh, when you've been playing Tetris for so long, like, if you look away from the screen, you start seeing falling blocks or you you see blocks everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. It happens when I, like, um, when I used to play Guitar Hero, mm-hmm. like, when I looked away from the screen after playing for too long, I could see, like, the running notes. Yeah. And stuff like that. And, like, people do that, like, when you're playing any game, really. Yeah. It's, like, you just start noticing things. Yeah. Yeah. And so another thing, um, I, I, I'm not sure how prevalent this was in the news. Like, but, you know, I'm thinking of people who played StarCraft too long, you know, mm-hmm. and they ended up, like, either neglecting their families or they go to a computer cafe and they die from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yeah. Um, or... Um, Second Life. Second Life didn't launch until 2003. I just looked that up. Um, so virtual reality games or like, you know, simulation games. I don't know how popular they were, but I, I know that was a a goal for a lot of video game companies were to make like a massively multiplayer game where people could just live out their fantasies in this virtual world. You know, so Second Life or um, EverQuest and then WoW later on World of right, Warcraft. Right, right, right. Yeah. So... I think people saw the, the the potential of virtual reality games, or or you know alternate reality games, or or massively multiplayer games, where you could just live out your life. And I mean, I never thought that video games reached that point. Nor would I want them to. Mm-hmm. I don't. I could. I would never want to play EverQuest or uh, Second Life. Like they look like horrible games, and it's just social media has become what it's sh- you know what they wanted. You know. What I mean? It's like, a, you know, an online hub where you can hang out with your friends. Right. Okay. You know, okay. or be someone different than who you are in real life. Yes. Right. Escapism.
1: With Instagrams and stuff. Yeah.
0: It's like doing that in a virtual space with like a little avatar that walks around and go, you go to the movie theater as your little man. And I'm like, <laughs> I, who that's, no one wants that. People want that. Don't insult the social gamers. They'll come for you. Second Life was big. There were a lot of people. People got married in Second Life. People got married in WoW. People got married in Star Wars of Galaxies.
1: Are we even married if we're not married in WoW? Let's get a WoW account. So
0: it it appeals to certain people. And I know that in the 90s, that was a lot of, like, a lot of people thought that's what video games could be. Mm -hmm. You know, even Ready Player One, you know, I know that's way more modern, but like that presents a virtual paradise where people right. can live and you know escape their everyday life. So I think that's what he's you know uh, calling to mind with mm-hmm. these, these lyrics. But I do like your interpretation of a computer who is becoming sentient, yeah. and realizing that uh, like, oh, I'm a construct. Yeah, <laughs> fictional stars and lost galaxies, synthetic dreams and false memories. This is all a lie. Yeah. That's a cool lyric if it's coming from a sentient computer. Right? So, yeah. Yours is better.
1: Thank you. I, like, really... I think, like, it starts to, like, spiral, right? Because it has... Like, a computer has a lot of information on it if it's connected to the internet. But the idea that, like, everything in it is, like, not the true thing because it is digitized versions of stuff, like, even the information that are on it, right? Like, YouTube is not a person inside the TV... It is numbers and sequences. But then taking that even more, right? Like if a computer has become sentient and notice these things that are in it or it knows to be true to be false false then what is to say the image of these things aren't false either so even like we're like well we look up and we see it well the computer's like well if you made the stuff in me who made that is that even real
0: and then there's no escape those are the same philosophies that informed the matrix yeah it's like yeah are are we living in a simulation you know what's what's beyond you know what's you know if we go down the rabbit hole what do we see yeah and then you get weird conspiracy stuff you know like you know what's the deep state you know who's controlling it you know are we are, are we only seeing what they want us to see? Even like the uh, the the Truman Show, right? It's like, am I living in a TV show, right? Am I just, you know, am I being that kind of weird surveillance state right. stuff? Right. But uh, I do. If, if we're gonna talk about the computer having a crisis, right? Like the song does pick up and gets more like disoriented and confused and uh, play it
1: for me, DJ. I'm not
0: So you get the the hard rocking guitar, and the song. You know he's picking up. So. I can understand, like, using the hard rock elements of the songs to make it seem more, like, disorienting. Like, I'm mm. mo- i am it's much more active sounding than just asking a bunch of questions in, like, a void. Yeah. Right? Because the, the the first half of the song sounds like that. It's, like, just synthy dreamlike sounds, and the computer's in the void. Like, oh, what's going on? Or it's, you know, the man playing his video game, and he's lost all <laughs> sense of self and, you know, the, his surroundings. And he's yeah. just lost in this void. And now, he, now he's actively trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. So... Whoever the speaker is, they're now seeking the truth, right? not just asking about it. Something about that lyric we just listened to also, uh, clever, clever lyrics. Material lies, two words, right? Material lies. And then in parentheses underneath like the echo is material lies as one word. And then you got computer eyes, two words, computer eyes, one word in parentheses.
1: Just in case you can't hear the difference, kids. Material lies, meaning material untruths, and then material lies, as in the verb to make material. Yes. Then computer eyes, as in computer spectacles, <laughs> <laughs> and then computerize, as in digitize. Yeah, and
0: I was like, "Clever girl." <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, it's like whatever the process of this person is like. I'm be- becoming more digital, right? Uh, I'm becoming more computerized. Yeah. I was like, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Or if you're reading it with my reading, it's computer eyes thinking that the computer is trying to see its eye like see through its eyes, but realizing that it doesn't have any, or materialized thinking finding that like no, the things that are around me are not actually true. What is the Yeah. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Though I will say like the um lines that I really enjoyed as part of the course, I think. Yeah. Is there's no escape. I'm locked in this universe where fantasy dies, material lies. Uh, And I just, out of context of everything, I just wrote adulthood, capitalism. (laughs) Because both of those felt really. There's no escape. I'm locked in this universe where fantasy dies.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. And materials lie. When you are. when you're subjugated by systems out of your control mm-hmm. you know those things could be you know uh, societal systems uh you know government systems uh or computer systems even you know it's like you can feel very powerless and yeah. uh you want to lash out or you 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 want to cry out yeah so i get it in in a, in a similar way like if if you feel like your own reality is out of your control. It's like you are seeking control somehow. You're crying out for it. You're lashing out, whatever. It happened. Like even during COVID, right? People felt very uh, out of control and some people turned to, well, this is all fake, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. My
0: entire existence doesn't exist because whatever emotional stress they went under made them feel like they needed to establish control.
1: COVID was a tough time for us all. (laughs) Yeah, it was. (laughs) I need a drink. Thinking about it, um,
0: uh, and this was a thing going into the the turn of the millennium, where all of our lives within ten years, almost everybody, their entire life would go from being a very digital divorced existence to a very much a digital dependent, yeah, uh, uh, existence. Right? Yeah. It's like our entire society. In, like, about 10, 15 years went from being divorced from the internet to completely dependent on yep. the internet. Like, yeah. I did.
1: I absolutely can't without at all, Yeah. period. Like, I, I think about just, not just internet, right? But, like, no, I, I couldn't go anywhere. I, I am very bad at walking in the right direction. I work several hundred miles from where I live. That's not it. <laughs> I work not close to here. And if I have to go anywhere, if I have to go to a store I haven't been to before or visit a friend, I need, I need, I need my digitals. I need them. <laughs> I need my digital, digital get downs. That'll be in a diff- yeah. future episode. But like, and for basically all of our entertainment, like uh, our cars run on computers. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe your car doesn't. Your car's old. But <laughs> my car definitely does even though it's a Ford. I read most of my books through Kindle because um, books are hard to move and I have to really, really love a book. Just like video games, which you can't live without, not me, but you. You know, just there's so much stuff that the like, we are dependent. Like, even if we want to say we're, we're not, our society and our culture doesn't move without
0: it. It's true. I feel like in that time, we've all computerized. Yeah. That's, I think that's the... If not the fear presented in this song, it's just the like the curiosity about that process. I'm curious, like, what does it mean to computerize? Because I feel like society is moving in that direction. And guess what? We did. And it is scary. And there's some scary stuff that's come about, you know. So that fear was justified. <laughs> that anxiety was justified. Yep. Such an interesting song. I, I do want to close out uh, with more synth goodness. Okay. And. A long string of computer lingo because the the last bit of the song is just like it's like like nothing but like listing out like random computer jargon. (laughs) Um, and I think it's because the writer, Arian, and the speaker are confused about what these words mean, and like you just hear these snooze on TV and in the newspaper, and you're just like naming it all. It's like just a bunch of stuff. Virtual reality, computer override, actual fantasy locked away inside. Am I no more than a program? Artificial dream, river of, of electrons flowing through a stream, parallel dimension battle simulations, mind over matter, brain stimulation. I don't know if I exist. I think therefore I am without emotions. I am but a hologram. <laughs> it's just a bunch of stuff, you know? Just a bunch of stuff. Again, it's, it's anxiety expressed through a song. Yeah. What way, like, you know, in poetry, what way to sound uh, anxious than to just list out things quickly. That's true. Without punctuation. Stream of consciousness.
1: Yeah. That does promote a lot of anxiety.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the internet was a stream of consciousness. That was the fear. Uh, So, you know, again, this song, as we've talked about it, I was like, wow, this song has things to say. Yeah. It's much more potent and coherent than the man inside or whatever the stranger from within. Yeah. So yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's... This is, I think, the best song in the album. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think as long as you read it as a computer gaining sentience and then having an existential crisis, <laughs> or anxiety.
0: All right, and the next song we're going to talk about is called "Back on Planet Earth." Roger, copy. Altitude forty-two hundred. you're
1: a go for landing over. Visibility, as we've said before, is. Not too great.
0: So Where the, Where the, Where the Very space-like. A lot, a lot of, a lot of synth. It sounds, it sounds like this song sounds like a John Carpenter score or something you'd hear in a sci-fi movie at mm-hmm. the time. Very, obviously, very electronic based. Uh, it's meant uh, back on planet Earth, and you heard it. You heard astronauts speak, and it, it's a song that's meant to portray science fiction and space travel and all that stuff, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, it made me think of Titan A.E.
0: Yeah, uh, so uh, space opera, even.
1: It feels like. Uh, someone living on a space station taking a trip down to Earth to, for kicks and giggles to see what's, what's good and then uh, it's not good.
0: <laughs> Almost. Hey. Almost. You did pretty good there. Nice. Let me to read what this song is about from the website. In this story, written by Aryan himself, a boy lives in a space station. Humans have lost the ability to feel but he overhears the older people telling stories about the days when they lived on Earth. On his computer, the boy finds images of the most beautiful things, such as flowers and mountains. But he also finds that Earth was destroyed by wars and environmental disasters, and people eventually had to live in space in order to survive. Uh, The boy realizes that after seeing people with emotions and their laughter, he would rather have died on Earth than be in this cold space station. A lot going on.
1: It's a lot. (laughs) Okay, I've got several things to say about that. One, emotions. Emotions. How do they remember. die out? Two, makes me think of The Giver. Yeah, yeah. Three, how do humans survive in space? If you're in a can, the oxygen is all going to run out and turn to CO2. Where are you getting your oxygen refilled? Maybe they refilled? Planted trees. Inside the space stations? Yeah. Synthetic trees. Incorrect. Four.
0: <laughs> it's science fiction.
1: <laughs> but I mean, that would also mean that the trees would never go through a, like, ah, it's fine. So now I'm not plotting a story. Um, There might have been more numbers, but I can't remember. It makes me think of Titan A.E., also a, a book series that my friend made me read that I don't really care for, so I'm not going to name. Um, How did our emotions go away? How do we lose our emotions?
0: I mean, how do we lose our emotions these days? I feel like people are getting cold Trauma? and cruel. I was like... <laughs> Lust for power, greed, uh callousness, cruelty. Uh, it's quite easy to lose your emotions. I mean in a very horrible like
1: So in the song does he like steal a space shuttle and then go to Earth to die?
0: N- no, I think it it's him looking at his computer and realizing that uh oh my gosh, this this earth that used to be is wonderful and beautiful. I wish I could have died there. <laughs> Uh, let's let's play a little bit of the lyrics and get this started.
1: It's like Earth. a virtual
0: flight to Earth. You know, he's looking at Google Maps from a hundred years before, thousand years before. That's what I. That's what I took it as. But he, I don't think he's literally taking a flight through Planet Earth because he sees the beauty of the Earth that no longer exists. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, blue skies over the oceans, sail on the wind to the valley below. Rise high over the hills to where the wildflowers grow. Right. If those things still existed, why aren't they living there? Right.
1: Right, humanity like, killed we? the world. Yes,
0: <laughs> and that relates back to our previous episode with Arion, where he talked about uh, how he was a P- Greenpeace activist, <laughs> Greenpeace fanatic, and he cared about the environment and he was an environmentalist. So, like, I think he's using science fiction to call on ideas about environmentalism and you know caring for uh, re- you know our-, our finite resources. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, that yeah. was a big thing in the nineties. Yeah. And still today, <laughs> Michael's talked about it.
1: Everyone who matters talked about it. But yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. I, I see it now. I feel like the beginning of the song, or not the uh, space people talk, not the astronaut talk, but it feels like a diary entry. The like, Yeah, could be. Yeah, I've, I overheard the elders, dear diary. <laughs> I overheard the elders telling stories. And I mean, I think this song is pretty straightforward and it tells its story pretty concisely. Like I had no trouble figuring it out. I didn't say Jesus this time.
0: <laughs> and I do you think that is a strength for the song? It's like the, the best. Like, I feel like these two these last two songs have been the better songs than the first two. Do you think it's because they're more clear?
1: Yes, because that's how I prefer my music. And I prefer the like vocal melody in this song.
0: I, I agree with that, too. Um, I, I think, like, obviously, like, musically, like, I feel like they're a little less uh, dynamic and impressive. But, yes. like, it's it's two different priorities. It's yeah. It's like the storytelling in this song and Computerize are better. Yeah. Um, and they deal with more uh, potent subjects. Right. W- right, right. Know, thema- like, thema- like, I can relate to the themes of these two songs more I- than an Abby seeking out a murder, you know? Other than, like, yeah, that's... A cool story, bro.
1: <laughs> and I think that really you can tell that these are two things that really concern the writer, right? Like you were saying, he was a Greenpeace activist and he did have like legit in- anxiety about where the world was going within the digital age. So um, it makes sense that these ones are the mo- more clear of the bunch.
0: Yeah. And um, this is, uh, like I mentioned with um, The Stranger From Within, I feel like a lot of the songs on actual fantasy uh are they present ideas that that would later be elaborated on in later Arion albums. so this song reminds me of the Arion album The Universal Migrator Part 1 The Dream Sequencer I hate it <laughs> It is an album about the last man like the last human right mm-hmm. and he lives on like a space station on Mars and the entire human race has died and he is basically like He's He knows he's going to die soon. Like, there's no one left. It's just him. There's no hope of repopulating the earth. So he sits in a machine that takes him back in time. Like, the machine lets him see the past. Mm-hmm. And he gets to relive the past. And that's how he, you know, he's just going to basically entertain himself until he dies. Hmm. Looking through history. And that's what it, that, this song, I think, was a proto version of that album. And it deals with the same themes of like, you know. Uh, you know, extinction, hu- you know, apocalypse, uh, you know, humanity's downfall, environmentalism, right? You know, protecting the planet. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, an over-reliance on technology, you know, mm-hmm. getting callous and cold, forgetting your emotions.
1: Is it bad that if I was in his position as the last person, the last human alive and I had that machine, I would, I would watch all the dramas. I would watch, I would watch them. That would be <laughs> my priority. I'm looking back at history. Nope. Every drama is now complete. Everyone, everyone, I'm just gonna go through a list and say, that seems good. Just gonna watch all seventeen hours right now in one sitting and
0: then move on to the next one. Well, knowing Ari and you Luke, Lucas, and he'd probably do the same thing. I was I watched an interview <laughs> and this relates back to why he wrote all these songs about movies he likes. Um he he said that he spends most of his time di- if he's not like working, if he's mm-hmm. not writing music or answering fan letters or doing that kind of stuff, he's just watching TV. Yeah. So he goes like he goes, I don't watch the news. I don't read the news. Absolutely. Because I prefer escapism. He yes. watches old Star Trek episodes, and old <laughs> movies like Blade Runner. And that's his thing. He, he needs to escape reality. Good. So. Yeah. I mean, bro, uh, bro. And it, it, is that a healthy thing to do? I don't know. Did I ask? If,
1: did I say I wanted to be healthy? When have I ever said I needed to be healthy?
0: Never. <laughs> well, I mean, Do like, you, sir? I mean, I I don't know if he's asking this question, but it's like, how productive is that? You oh, know, it's if, zero. If, if, if met you know, you you are being confronted with this horrible uh, future, right, right? Where he's presenting a future where humanity has lost all emotion, uh, all of its resources are gone, and he's now living in a space station with without the beautiful planet Earth, right? Like, how productive is it? knowing that future is ahead of him to just, you know, sit and watch TV all day.
1: He doesn't know that. I know, but. He's not the prophet that Arion gave his his prophecy to. It could be. (laughs) Honestly, though, like, I hear you, right? Like, let's say all of his songs really are him, like, uh, channeling visions from the future, and it's going to be so much worse than we imagined, so much worse than it is currently. If that was me, my reaction would be I wash my hands of this. I'm watching TV. Do not expect me to save the kids. <laughs> I will make you dinner if you're hungry. I will not be responsible for the world. Don't. Don't, I will never be the heroine. I will be I will be the villain. I will be that person in the movie when you're like, the hero goes to them and like, what? You could have fixed this whole thing, but you sat here. Yes. Yes, I did.
0: I like to think now because I'm like thinking back to that first album, And I feel like this second album very much fits that same mold. It's right. Like the musician who wrote these songs received visions from the future telling you of a dark future. And he's using his creative outlet to warn the masses mm-hmm. right through his music. That could be applied to any like any artist, yeah. You know, any good artist, right? Like uh, Arion here or Michael Jackson. It's like yeah. Michael Jackson. He he received visions from the future <laughs> and he tried to warn us, and we rode him out of town. Oh no! Um, I mean, true. It's interesting, and and so yeah, like the song. I, I feel like this song also presents a lot of really good ideas in a very fantastical way, obviously science fiction way, mm-hmm. but it's done tastefully, yeah, effectively, yeah. That, that that verse there was black clouds over the debris, storms rain storm raging over the land, no life is left on this planet. Now you will understand. Do you understand?
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't understand.
0: So I'm gonna sit here in my bubble and watch dramas. Yeah. Just ignore it. Yep. Close my ears off.
1: Yep. I'm glad you understand.
0: <laughs> now I will understand.
1: <laughs> what is my part to play in this? Watch TV. <laughs>
0: And that's, I feel like that we, that's the decision we've all got to make, right? Yeah. It's like, how are we going to respond to this, right? Are we just going to leave it for other people to figure out? Or are we going to, like, do something?
1: I see you looking at me with disdain in your eyes. I'm just saying. No, I do the
0: same thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: it, it, it literally is a very difficult, it's a very human thing. Yeah. It's like, how selfish do we want to be?
1: I'm pretty selfish. I'm a pretty selfish I mean, person. So am I.
0: And its it's hard to, like you know, fix yourself. Yeah. You know, fix your priorities.
1: Yeah. I feel like both of us are really good about, like, doing things and being active and stuff, but it has to have, like, we need to be able to know that we will be making a difference. So, like, within the lives of our our friends and family members, like, if stuff is happening or if there's things, like, we are present, we are there to try to make a difference for the better. But when it feels like something, like, the planet is destroyed and we all have to move to space... I mm, I don't even know what six plus four is. I have no part in the solution here.
0: And that's the scary part because you feel like I'm so insignificant. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, like, I can imagine Arian Lucasen felt the same way. He's like, what can I do? I can write these songs and hopefully it could inspire somebody to do something. Yeah. You know? Like, he's doing his best. I feel like those artists do. It's like, yeah. artists feel powerless, but through their creations, you know, and their creativity and their ambition. They try to proclaim something. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like a legacy that matters. I think that that's like, that he continually turns his music and stuff towards um, aid, world aid. Like that's what he wants to talk about. That's what he wants to use his platform for. Yeah. And I'm sure that he like gives, I'm sure like you said he was in Greenpeace and stuff. I'm sure that he does other things and that doesn't just sit and watch tv i mean i would do like even if i had a platform that if we had a platform that we were able to like hey these are big things that we really need to be paying attention to i still wouldn't be watching the news and doing stuff like look for my own mental health
0: (laughs) sometimes you got to do that yeah yeah and so i I could also understand you know sometimes you listen to these songs you're like maybe i don't want to hear songs about this right now yeah maybe i don't want to be on tiktok about this right now yeah yeah So, um, that is, I think, all we have to say about Actual Fantasy by Arion. Um, Do you think it's a good album? Yeah?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's a good album.
0: Is it better than The Final Experiment? Yes. Why?
1: Because I
0: remember this one. It's way less silly than The Final Experiment is.
1: I think that's probably what it is. I know you said it it was The Black Sheep, but it feels even though like the stories aren't connected um the stories you know i don't know yeah the lot the, the other one is just very silly
0: this one is way this album is way more approachable because mm-hmm. like yeah there isn't a big story to keep track of uh the songs all deal with their own thing you know and they, they share themes like obviously those last two songs they share a lot of themes yeah you know technology and you know the, the planet and our relationship to those things. That kind of it, it's all there, but it's done much more uh, simple. It's done in a simple way, a direct way, in a way. You know, I don't know. It's 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 not as complex.
1: No, I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, and there's less like juvenile goofiness where it's like, yeah, we're gonna mix Arthurian legend with. Sci-fi technology. It's going to merge together in this weird.
1: Badly. Or not badly, This weird Dungeons
0: and Dragons kind (laughs) of way where it's, it's more, I don't know, mature, even though there's definitely cohesive. There's some juvenile stuff in here. Like I think the songs written about movies he likes are a little silly, Mm -hmm. but Uh, yeah, even then you, you were able to at least identify with the lyrics Mm -hmm. when read him, when reading them poetically. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I think for that, it feels better. Or like, I think it's better
0: in that way. And musically, it's really, really good. (laughs) I'll say like the talent on display here is great, as with a lot of progressive rock, progressive metal that I enjoy. The keyboards are a standout. Um, And then, you know, the guitars are great. The vocalists do a pretty good job. And I think he is playing a lot with production at the time, you know, making the use of high-tech production techniques, you Mm. know, with like, you know, different, you know, vocalizing, you know, messing with people's voices and just making the most to make a digital sounding album. Yeah. It sounds like the future,
1: <laughs> right? The future that we're in
0: currently? I don't know. Like, I feel like <laughs> in 1996, this is what they thought the future was going to sound like. Yeah. Oh, yeah all music's going to sound like this, spacey, and you know, computer Music was going to computerize, which it has to an extent. Yeah,
1: every, it's definitely digital. We're always
0: stream, stream this, go. Yeah, it, it music has got way more. Uh, a lot of music has moved away from live instrumentation to you know loops and backbeats and yeah. synthesizers and EDM and
1: yeah, auto
0: tune. Which... So it, it, I think it definitely, I think it's worth a listen. Do you think so? You yeah, recommend it. I, yeah. I, I, I would recommend this. If you are, like, brand new to this type of music, go with actual fantasy. Don't, you know, m- maybe don't tr- jump, like, you know, into the deep end with Arion. <laughs> um, I've already said, like, I would say this is probably the most traditional album, so it's probably the most approachable.
1: Most palatable for anyone. Who yeah, someone song.
0: who's used to normal music. Uh, even though the songs are long, you know, the longest song is 935. That's a hurdle you got to get over, right? But, uh. As I mentioned, the two other songs, uh, the two other albums that I would recommend over most other Arian albums would be The Human Equation, which tells a very human story. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you wanted stories about strangers coming to a a man in a coma (laughs) that aren't Jesus.
1: (laughs) That are definitely not Jesus. That's
0: the one for you. Or Into the Electric Castle, which just embraces the weirdness.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, But it's at least funny. I don't know. (laughs) It's entertaining.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that is that. Let's talk about how this album was received. All right. Arian Lucasen has called Actual Fantasy the, quote, least selling Arian album to date. Um, I couldn't find actual sales figures, but... Uh, but that's how he feels. That That's what he said. <laughs> um, so I, 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 it wasn't as big a hit as The Final Experiment, that's for sure. Um, but luckily, he followed it up with Into the Electric Castle, which was one of his most popular albums also. Mm. So... It was like, yeah, this was like a lull in a pretty successful career. So good, which for, is him. good. good for him. Yeah. R- uh, reviewer Urian Hage <laughs> said, quote, Modern, well-executed, and bombastic, heavy and melodic progressive. Maybe not progressive enough for some, but the many keyboard solos, the fine melodies, and ditto execution certainly make it worth a try. In my opinion, this album surpasses the final experiment, which was his first album. I agree with the keyboard solos. <laughs> um, Ard Shock magazine said, quote, the seven tracks, all with duration of at least six minutes, are a paradise for every genuine music fan. And while the music cannot be compared to the final experiment, it has the same outstanding quality and is therefore also CD of the year and album of the year. Okay. Or am I speaking to or am I speaking before it's my turn to speak? <laughs> and reviewer Erwin Gronsfeld said, quote, I think not everyone will like it, but it's the combination of heavy guitars and the hyper-modern synthesizers which make actual fantasy a spectacular and fantastic experience, just like the final experiment. The numbers are quite long, six minutes minimum, and are a delight to the ears for every music lover. Okay. So, fine words.
1: Those are not... That's nice. I was
0: like, the the biggest uh, complaint was, the songs might be too long for people.
1: Uh, I mean... mm, but that's like a good complaint to have just to like know that going in.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about the legacy of actual fantasy and Arion as a whole, because this is sadly our last Arion album. <laughs> Why? In
1: 2004,
0: actual fantasy was heavily remastered and a remix in 5.1 surround sound as actual fantasy revisited. And oh. that's the one that sold it has the drums. Yes. It has live drums. Um, much of the album's instruments were re-recorded, the drums performed by Gorefest member and frequent Arianne collaborator Ed Warby. Um, according to Lucasen, he had for years, quote, wondered what actual fantasy would sound like with real drums instead of, drum, instead of the drum computer, uh, though the process always seemed daunting as he would have to, quote, re-record a number of the elements that were lost. This is the version of the album that's sold today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really even get the original actual fantasy anymore. So, yeah, it's the superior version.
1: Yeah. it's.
0: How did you get it, torn? Yeah. <laughs> Answered that one already. And where did Arion go from here? Well, Arian Lucasen has continued to shepherd the Arion project over the past two decades, further exploring themes of science fiction, fantasy, and human psychology. Of the 10 Arion studio albums, only three take place outside of the long-running storyline first established in The Final Experiment. And this being one of those three. Hmm. So everything else, it all fits into a chronological story. They go back and forth, you know, but they cover the beginning of the universe to the end of it. And I'm not even joking. In 2015, Arion's 2004 album, The Human Equation, was performed live in its entirety in a series of unofficial full-scale theatrical productions called The Theater Equation, with Lukasen making an appearance and helping promote the project. This was the first time an Arion album had been performed live ever. Oh wow. Yeah, because it was very much a one-man show with his friends, it was hard to get an actual like live production going. Right. So he never toured as Arion. Yeah. Until 2015. That's Yeah. Crazy. Although produced as an unofficial series of performances, The Theater Equation was recorded and released in 2016 as an official Arion release, produced and mixed by Lucasen himself. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and that basically set up what he's been doing for the last couple of years. He's been running live productions of his sh- of his albums, bringing in all of the guest musicians to play their parts in costume, huh? And put on an actual show, okay, like a big musical.
1: Sounds like something that you would enjoy.
0: Yeah, uh, the first ever official Arian concert series called Arian Universe took place in 2017. Uh, the show featured 16 singers and 11 instrumentalists, all of which had previously worked together with Lucason on his studio albums. Arion followed that series with a live production of the album Into the Electric Castle in 2019.
1: And then the world shut down.
0: Yeah. But there are videos of those productions on YouTube. Ah. Yeah, it is.
1: I'm surprised you didn't have me watch them.
0: Well, we didn't talk about any of those albums, but...
1: Oh, right, right, right.
0: Beyond Arion, Arian and Lucasen juggles various other solo projects and side projects, including... Star One, Guilt Machine, and The Gentle Storm, among many others. He's a very busy man. The Gentle
1: Storm feels... What kind of music do they play? I don't like it. I don't know. The (laughs) title, it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure you guys make good music, and I shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but your band name weirds me out.
0: Overall, including all his principal bands and projects, Lucasen has released 26 studio albums, four live albums, two EPs, and 17 singles. And he has made guest appearances on over fifty albums by other artists.
1: That's a lot of nuts. That's a lot of nuts.
0: That's Arion. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we do now?
1: Um. Uh, all right. Well,
0: we gotta decide who, who won. do we
1: who do we think won this this charade.
0: I've been conflicted on this. Right? It's like I had so much fun listening to Backstreet Boys no, you because didn't. it it was like ironic fun, right? And I had fun talking about it. No, you didn't. But like objectively. The lyrics are worse yes. than Arion's. The music is worse. Yes. Uh, the, the singing is probably better on, well, some, some of the singing is better on Back to Your Boys and some of the singing is better on Arion. So that's kind of a tie. I think I'm going to give it to Arion.
1: I'll give it to Arion as well. Yeah. I wasn't going to fight you on this one because I like was upset.
0: <laughs> I was upset. The boys did pretty good. But I like, mean,
1: yeah, no, they did. And it, uh, there's a lot of nostalgia and whatnot, but I am a lyric person, right? So I was not as upset talking through these ones as I was <laughs> talking through the last section. So I have to give it to them. Yeah,
0: the lyrics in those other songs were bad. Yes. Like, the Bastard Boys songs, the lyrics were pretty lame or bad. And then Arion, though he was like, he like aimed for the stars and like maybe fell short. Like he at least tr- like was providing like... Poignant Co- lyrics. Commentary, social commentary yeah. and stuff. Yeah. He had things to say.
1: He did have things to say. Maybe he
0: didn't say them in the best way, but at least he had things to say other and, than we're the boys and we're here and we're having fun.
1: And, you know, give give me the sex. <laughs> and it's not my fault we're broke up.
0: <laughs> but as we say, you can't judge a music album on its music alone. You have to judge an al- you have to judge an album on its album artwork. Every time. So I have for us the album artwork for Backstreet Boys, Backstreet Boys, and Arion's actual fantasy, and I want you to tell me which one you think is better. So you're looking at the Backstreet Boys first. What do you see?
1: Oh, I sweat I, I swiped, and so I'm all re- I'm going to explain them, but I've already decided which wins. So Backstreet Boys is the boys. So those boys. <laughs> uh, they're all in black, with uh, some of them having a white shirt layered under it. Um, and they are standing against a red wall or just a red background. And there's a grown man behind them. Oh, sorry. That's it's Kevin. just
0: Kevin. <laughs> Kevin. He looks like a grown man amongst a boy, a bunch of boys. Yeah. He's the backstreet man. And they're yep. the backstreet boys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, I'd be like, was oh, that your manager? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and that's it for, and then it just has backstreet
0: boys written. Who, who's wearing big. sunglasses? Is that Howie?
1: No. Why do you always think that's Howie? That's AJ.
0: AJ's wearing glasses. He's wearing the... the, the
1: Howie b- has the impressive eyebrows.
0: <laughs> Not Kevin. <laughs> I'm going say, AJ AJ has the Matrix sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, they, it was a style of the time. It
1: was. They, he also has, they already he have, also has double earrings.
0: Uh, they, they're also... like Some of them are spiking in their hair. That was a big thing in, at that time as well. No frosted tips yet. Wait. Would you say Nick has frosted tips? No, he's just blonde. <laughs> He's li- naturally blonde. He's blonde with a brown streak up there. He's
1: naturally blonde. Looks like he took a spray Look paint. Look at it. his eyebrows. <laughs> all right. All right.
0: <laughs> Sir. No, no, no frosted tips yet. Maybe maybe sometime later.
1: Uh, and then Backstreet Boys is just written in big old font. Backstreet's in black, boys in red. And then under it, Backstreet Boys again.
0: They didn't need to put two. They could just put one. We get it. Yes. The Backstreet Boys is their self-title album. We get it.
1: Um, Arian's actual fantasy is Arian. I assume in a TV screen, pressing against the TV screen, that's just lying on the ground, uh, trying to get out. Uh, everything's black and he is in red
0: yeah, and it, white. It, it looks like a horror album, yeah. horror movie poster. And it
1: says actual fantasy. If your fantasy is this horror kink thing, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, man. I mean,
0: it fits with the themes of the album where it's like, you know, this, this trapped in technology. It fits with the song we talked about, um, Computer Eyes. Yeah. That's Computer Am I lost in the computer? That's What's fair. real? I'm trying to get out. Help me.
1: That is the computer. That is the computer trying to get out of the computer. <laughs> I'm gonna say Backstreet Boys. I know it's less interesting, but I just can't look at Arion's. It makes me upset. Visu-
0: I agree. Visually, aesthetically, Backstreet Boys, though it's very simple and kind of boring, it's I don't know more I pleasing. Know. It's more pleasing to the eye, I guess. Yeah. You know? it's just like it just looks like you know a generic pop album cover but it's just like not as freaky looking yeah it's weird it's like it it depends on what your priorities are right like back to your voice is very safe Mm -hmm. it's a very safe album it's not very interesting Ariane, their album is very creative right because it fits with the theme it it looks like it looks like a scary rock album cover right but it's just like i don't like it yeah (laughs) personally yeah So it depends on what your priorities. If you like creative, interesting album art that like is maybe kind of ugly, carry on. (laughs) If you like safe, like that doesn't hurt my eyes. Backstreet Boys.
1: Yeah. Though uh, looking at this now, I apologize kids for what the cover of this episode looks like. I haven't seen it yet where I'm sitting here in the past, but I can assume future me is horrified.
0: It's going to be AJ and Howie sitting next to a a computer man lost in his computer.
1: I don't like it. I don't like the idea of it.
0: And that is, uh, that's, that's, so I guess, you know, we're going backstreet boys on that.
1: Yep. Backstreet boys definitely won that one at least. All right. But, uh, let's talk runners up
0: runners up.
1: Let's talk about what we could have been listening to. I have a very short list.
0: Do I have a short list? No. Oh, I have a long list.
1: Um, I have only one other thing that we would have listened to, and that was Tony Braxton's Secrets, probably for like two songs.
0: <laughs> uh, re- we could have had the return of Tony Braxton? We could have Braxton? had the
1: return of Tony Braxton. Let's redo this whole episode. No, no, no. Let's just say that it was Tony Braxton. I probably lied about it. I've never even heard the Backstreet Boys album.
0: <laughs> Quit playing games <laughs> with my heart. Um, for you,
1: if we weren't listening to Arion, we could have been listening to Big Elf.
0: Ah. Closer to Doom. So Big Elf is another very, like obscure cult progressive rock band. Uh, I would describe them as Pink Floyd mixed with Black Sabbath. The lead singer, he also plays keyboards, and he wears a big top hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's such a shame we couldn't have listened to that. Um, We could have listened to Soundgarden- Okay, I had to make sure because sometimes I say Frown Garden. I now believe Frown Garden is the proper way to say this. Sound Gardens
0: down, down on the upside. Yeah.
1: Down on the upside, yeah. That
0: was the uh, the album they released before they imploded. Uh, something that we sh- I should take this opportunity to, to note is uh, nineteen ninety six is the year grunge died. Mm. Um. Yep. Like most of the big grunge acts either fell apart or you know broke up or the lead singer killed himself. Yep. Uh, in one case. Uh, so yeah, grunge grunge basically died in 1996, yeah. and, uh, it
1: was a very short-lived uh, genre.
0: It was a decade of a decade of grunge, yeah, you know, from the early days in Seattle to the mainstream, and now All it's gone. over with. And and we for the next several years, we're going to be talking. We might be talking about some post grunge, ah. Jess's favorite type of music.
1: Yeah, actually. <laughs> um. Okay. And then this might be a spello spell it error. The I have the Aqua Eights, the Aqua Eights. So I'm going to assume it's the Aquabats, Return of the Aquabats.
0: Aquabats. Who doesn't love the Aquabats? It is. uh, At this point, they were a ska punk band who dressed up like superheroes and sang song about, sang songs about um, having a pizza party and uh, fighting the Marshmallow Man. (laughs) Oh gosh, that kind of. It's like the most fun. Skam, it's like the most fun music ever. Like they're having such a great time. It's so goofy and stupid, but it's so much freaking fun. We went and saw the Aquabats a few years ago. We did, and it was great.
1: It was something.
0: It was one of the one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Yeah. No, you said that twice already. (laughs) If you haven't seen the Aquabats or heard their music, you should seek them out. Yeah, they're so much fun.
1: They're they're fun, and if you have kids, kids would enjoy watching their music. Family friendly
0: punk music, like ska punk music. And they also like, they've moved away from ska punk to more of a Devo synth pop type sound. Mm -hmm. Um, it's all so much fun.
1: Yeah. And then the last thing on the list for you is we've talked about it earlier. Sublime's Sublime.
0: Yep. Uh, I, I don't remember which songs are on this album, but I assume that there were like four or five singles that get played on the radio regularly because we, we live in Southern California Uh, Sublime is very much a Southern California staple. So if you you drive down to San Diego, you turn on the, you know, the classic rock station, you're going to hear some Sublime. Yeah. It's hard to avoid. So, you know, what what (laughs) songs are on there? Santeria. Probably. Smoke Two Joints.
1: I have no idea what that is, but
0: maybe. Miami 1992. Uh, I apparently don't listen to Sublime. (laughs) Yep, That is, it's good. Like their music's fine. Okay. It's, It's definitely of a time.
1: I believe you. But that's it. That's all. That is our 1996 music episode.
0: Yeah. So let's go out with some plugs. All right. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Media Show on both Media Made Show. Uh, we will be posting uh, polls. You know, what album you thought was better. Listen to them first. Folks. Listen
1: to them, please.
0: Uh, you, you can vote on which album art you thought was better. Hey,
1: kid, did you already vote? Did you already vote? Hey, did you already vote? And now you're listening to this episode? No dessert.
0: Uh, we also we're gonna we'll probably be posting videos of performances and commercials and cringe music videos.
1: Oh gosh, yep.
0: Come with us. This is how we do. Ah. <laughs> it's all gonna be there on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, you can uh, I don't know do us some favors. You can uh, follow us or subscribe to us on your platform your podcast platform of choice. Uh, leave us five star reviews and just tell a friend. Tell, tell your friends about our podcast and why you enjoy it so much.
1: Can you do me another favor if you see me in public? Please don't say things to me like, I had a rough early 90s. <laughs> you know who I'm talking to, kids.
0: <laughs> and uh, as for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter, at RodTheMaster. And uh, I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. Uh, we write all about the Legend of Zelda video game series. So if you like that, you can check that out. And I host a YouTube show about professional wrestling called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E, where we explore the careers and characters of our favorite professional wrestlers. So if you like wrestling, you can check that out too.
1: If you uh, want to find me, I am on basically no social media platforms because I find them exhausting, but I am on YouTube, Uh, Taming Tales on YouTube. I tell stories uh, and put them up with some art. I'm trying to draw better. It's not really working out that way, but I'm doing my best. I haven't posted anything in a while because life is hard, but I hope to do that at some point
0: soon-ish.
1: I mean, the holidays are coming up. What else am I going to do?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the holidays have come if you're listening to this now. Oh, that's true. The they're, holidays are here like a week away. Get your ho- get your holiday shopping done. Um, So, yep, yeah, that's that we're- I-, I was like struggling. I was like, what the heck am I going to close out this Arion segment with? Like, what am I going to do? And I think I think what I decided on is we're going to close out with the song Beyond the Last Horizon because it had the most um, recognizable chorus. Okay. You know, I was like, hey, I need a song with a chorus that I, you know, sounds like a fun ending song. So that's what it is. If you go out and listen to it and it sounds like that's not what he said it was, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yep, that's that. Yeah. We will see you all next time with our TV shows of 1996.
1: Remember, kids, don't shoot Jesus if he's in your head. <laughs> Are you going to cut
0: that? No. <laughs>